Welcome back, guys. Merch Podcast, episode 27. 27 episodes, Kenny. Jesus. That's loads, isn't it? That's millions. <laughs> uh, we've got another special guest for you today. So just before we introduce Stephen, um, we just bought a dummy bit of housekeeping. So just to say thanks to everybody for, for supporting us um, over the last few months that we've, we've been doing the podcast. And um, if you haven't already, we're on every, every platform or multi-platform-ish. All the pipes. <laughs> All, All the pipes. Um, so if you could head on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube especially, um, and just subscribe, Spotify, like, comment, everything. Anchor, Google, Apple. All these companies want us, but you, we can't, they can't keep having us if you're on the subscribing page. <laughs> so off you pop Aye. and subscribe. <laughs> You'll wait. <laughs> we'll wait. We've wanted to be waiting a very long time. But anyway... On to the main event. So we're joined today uh, by the modern day Albert Einstein, Mr. Stephen Hodge. <laughs> so Steve, absolutely pleasure to have you on. So thanks for thanks for taking the time. Awesome, awesome. So Steve, you've also been listening to the podcast as well, which is a uh, very exciting thing for us because for people who come on who actually know what we're all about, do you know what I mean? It's it's different. It's, it's well received. Well, I thoroughly enjoy it. I think it's a great job. Brilliant. What's your, your favourite episode, Steve? What was your favourite yeah. episode? <laughs> oh, you'd, you'd, no, you'd, have, you'd have football around from uh, Livingston. Scotty McLaughlin. I thought he was hilarious. He was great. Scotty McLaughlin. I like the stories. You know, the story Steve was telling. You know? Aye. Well, funny you should say that because we might have another wee episode coming up with him, eh? Uh, don't, don't, don't. <laughs> <laughs> don't, do, don't do that. <laughs> uh, no, I was just testing you. I just want to make sure that you're listening. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, Steve, what we're going to do, um, we're just going to head right back where it all began, where it all started for you, because um, you've you've done quite a lot in your life to date, um, and you're still doing a lot. So, it's just really interesting. I've known you personally as well um, through through my my work and some of the conversations we've had, and some of the stories and knowledge is unbelievable. So, we just want to try and get that across to people. So. If you can go back, so where was it you grew up? Where did I grow up? Uh-huh. Eh, oh, that was a long time ago, way back 1950-something. Right. No way, uh, 1950s? <laughs> you never ask a young man that he's, he's age. How did you want to ask your age? I yeah. thought you were in your 40s or something. Nah, just... um, I'm 65 next Thursday. Right. Oh, oh, next Thursday, we should have done like, this next week. 65. <laughs> oh, you know, so I'm old enough. Uh, yeah, no, I was, I was born uh, at the time. My mother and father stayed in the Shettleston area. All right, okay. Uh, Glasgow. My father was a Shettleston man. He was he was born in Shettleston. And wow. uh, he went, when he was old enough, he went to the Royal Marines. And uh, his brothers went to the army and different things. So they all went into the services. Uh, and as, as they do, uh, my father took up boxing when he was in the Marines. Right. And he, he, he became... He was a 4-2 Royal Marine, and he became the, the champ for, for nice. that battalion at the time. And uh, so when he came out, they used to get leave and come out. They used to go to the Pali in uh, Denison, go to the dancing. That's where we met my mother. And my oh. mother used to do shorthand for one of the big uh, movie companies at the time. Can't remember the name of it, but it's one of the big ones. So I'm the big doll at the start, did you call aye, it? Aye. Aramir or something, you know, and uh, she used to work for them and do the shorthand typing and, and whatnot. And at the time, uh, my father was getting asked to go professional, 
and they fought the British champion a few times on shift. And that, I mean, it's that far back for me. But he, he, he never done it because what happened is he fell in love with my mum, didn't he? And they left. Oh. <laughs> and they come out and they get married. Yeah, you know. And then oh. it pops me. So that's yeah, that's that's the world. <laughs> uh, Thank God that happened because you wouldn't be here today. Funny But my mother and father never stopped there. They had eight children. So there, there was you know, five girls and three boys in our family. Oh. You know, wow. and it was almost one after the other. God's sakes, you know. Did they, did they have a, have a telly or anything like that? Or would, no? No, no, I used to say, no, did you put the plug in the bath? Eh? Was that? See, with my mum, like my mum, like my granny, there was there was seven, seven of them. Really? If you look back, back, back in that, that generation, there was there was a kid after kid Aye. after kid after kid. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I can't run. I was going to say, do you think that's because you never had a telly or you never you had to entertain uh, yourself? You had, you, had a, you had a TV, it was back and white, the, the, the two channels, do you know what I mean? And it was clunk, clunk, clunk. I mean, you would know the remote controls or anything. And uh, I don't really remember much. I only remember like, once we moved we moved to Kabul and out the steps uh, when I got to about 10 and then we lived there for the rest of our life. But up until then, we'd stayed, we'd stayed in Tilcross Road, just outside Shelton. And then we moved over to Carmel. And we lived in Carmel for a while, and then we moved over to Carmel Steps. And uh, yeah, no, it was great, O'Brien. So my mother was very, very easy going. My mother was just a real, real good mother. I, mean, I can't describe my mother at all. She, there's so many good things we could say about my mother. And I'm not blowing her whistle. I mean, she was, she was lovely, but she, she was a great believer in letting you express yourself. Yeah, you were allowed to do what you wanted to do as long as you weren't damaging anything. So, for instance, if my father had a paintbrush outside, she'd say to me, I want you to put a scullery, we'd a scullery. And scullery's back in the day were kept like a, bit, a bit like a fridge. They were colder. Right. So they'd keep the milk in there. The, the fridges weren't that very big back in the day. Your fridge would fill up kind of quick. And then you kept all the other stuff in the scullery on the shelves. Right. Not a lot of light getting very small windows. And it was cooler. But uh, my mother asked me to paint the frame of the window. And I'm <laughs> only five, maybe six. And she gave me that big forex brush. I would tell my face there was a wee square like that, you know. My father, <laughs> the patience of a saint, he would come in and go, oh, for goodness sake, Ellen, what have you done? But that was my mother's way of letting us practice and make a face. Nice. You know, and, and if your friends had a go-kart in Carmel, uh, I had a lot of friends with go-karts, you know, they were pushing their go-karts up and down. And uh, my mother let me, quite, quite happily, let me go down to the back fence take all the wood off the fence, take the staples out of the fence, oh. take the wheels off the pram and build a go-kart. Then my father would come in and go, oh, fuck good. And he'd, he'd, he'd <laughs> so my mother was like that, you know. Uh, and you were the, the, the golden boy, that you could do whatever you like and it was never wrong and you were the best stuff. I know, at one time, at one time my sisters used to, come on, listen, I can't remember, they used to call me the prodigal son. <laughs> my sisters used to sometimes say, are you the prodigal son? But I wasn't. My mother loved them all, and we all loved each other. I mean, there was there was no there was none of that really. But I think you're just the firstborn, you know. And then my mother took us everywhere. She wouldn't not take any. She wouldn't just take one or two. She just, do you remember the little harnesses you would get for kids? Ah, yeah, quite happily harnessed five years together and then we went to Glasgow and we'd all be walking, oh. like that, walking around the poles and getting stuck <laughs> around the poles and getting back again, you know? and uh, oh my. my father used to get all nervous my father, 
my father was always a worrier. He didn't like uh, the thought of anything happening to any of us. I mean, we, we weren't allowed push bikes, for instance, although he was mad with push bikes. We weren't allowed motorbikes. He didn't even want us to drive. He was just, he was a worrier about all the world and things, you know. Uh, and, uh, yeah. But my mother wasn't the kind of mother who would say, wait until your dad gets home. Right. My mother dished out the discipline as and when. With her finger. She used her finger and she would jab you in the arm. Jab, jab, jab. <laughs> or back in the day, a lot of mothers used to wear peenies. My mother used to wear right. a peenie. And she'd pick that up and then rub your face with it. And it was things like that. You said, I'm not doing that because I'm not doing that again. You know? So we were very lucky. You know, You know, that was hard at times. I mean, it was one way for a family at So it was hard. My granny, my granny used to prod me in the shoulder. Aye, that's it. That's the way. That was like that. You stole back. For his shoulders. Steve, do you think, see when you were saying like your dad was a warrior? Uh, see, see if you could compare maybe like something in your fa- father's generation to now. How do you think he would fare in today's sort of environment? Do you think he would? But my, my, my father, for instance, joined the Royal Marines. He did so basically, if you like, clean country. As about defending your country, looking after your country. But when he was in the forces, he didn't want me. I wanted the Royal Marines, wouldn't let me. Yeah. That, that back in the day he had to sign for me and that he wouldn't let me do it. And, wow. and, and the reason being is he did it lost faith in it. He didn't believe in it. He'd seen so many they, they did a lot of uh, peacekeeping duties and they had to watch some real atrocities and not get involved. He's seen the he's seen the conflict between the politicians, politics and what is right and what is wrong, you know, rather than you know yeah, it just it, it, when he came out, it, it just thought I don't want any of my family in the process. I don't want any of these in there. You get indoctrinated to believe that these countries are all bad. And really, yeah. everybody everywhere just wants a, a good living to look after their family, to have enough money to get by, have a wee holiday, yeah. have some opportunities. Most people don't want to fight with each other. But your politicians would have you believe they do. Do you know what I mean? So it was a warrior from that point of view. But he could, he could read things. When, when the Falklands War broke out, my father had already told us about seven months beforehand that's going to that's going to break out, and Margaret Thatcher's going to take us to that, and he, he just he, he just knew, you know. Yeah. Aye, uh, so so I think his view of today, he'd it, be, be worried, he'd be worried, because I worry. No, I because I mean, look look at life now. I mean, this this is us jumping off track. I mean, you've asked me you know, from being young, but thirty years from now, guys, without any doubt. At least forty percent of the population isn't going to be working. I mean, 40, uh, up to forty percent, they're not going to be working because automation is is going to be the way, you know. And so, therefore, the, the way we live just now can't can't go on. You know, we need to find a way to make people feel valued, even if they're not at work. But uh, being at work is what gives you your identity. So there's a lot of complex issues in there, you know. But no, so my father would be worried about that. And again. The world's changed. There, there is no truth anymore. Lies are the new truth. I mean, you can't you can't watch TV. It's all lies. Everything's yeah. lies. You know, you, and everybody can see through it. That's the problem. But, but nobody's able to make the change. It's very complicated. You know. So I think if my father was alive just now, he'd probably throw the TV out in the garden. You know, and say, "Thank you, You know, think he'd be pure. Like, he'd be really, really annoyed. He'd be like, pure pissed off. He'd be like, why are people like voting for Donald Trump?" <laughs> what is going on here? Like, would they be like, oh, there's nobody else to vote for? I understand that. Not that I wanted you just all about Trump, uh, but 
I just feel that he's he's the he's the he's the main target just now because he uh, who he is and what he represents so, and stuff like that. So yeah, well, I think I think East, but I think that I think, I think the thing, Kenny, is we need to remember that Donald Trump didn't put himself in there. Mm. You know, it's not him. People people in Burr put him in. So there's other people pulling the strings. There's always agendas going on, you know. And there's always been agendas. Governments, it's very rare now to get a government that is truly for the people, the people they're meant to represent. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of career politics. Back in the day, at the end of the Second World War, for instance, you you, you had uh, politicians who had been at war, who'd seen the tragedy of war, who understood all the things that can go wrong in life, and just how bad war was, you know, innocent people dying, getting killed needlessly, you know. And so when these guys became politicians and moving on, then they, they, they were able to bear that in mind and say, look, we need to avoid this because we've seen mm-hmm. this. But now we don't have that. Now we've got career politicians, people who have never been anywhere near a war. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. and in a lot of ways, they're helping to drift us towards war. And yet, they don't really have a clue mm-hmm. about the horrors of war. I mean... Britain, Britain's been very lucky through all the years. I mean, we've not actually been invaded, invaded. We've had the bombings, etc. But if you can imagine, I mean, that, that's the one thing that, that upset me about Brexit, to be honest. Forget all the other arguments. It was the idea that we were trying to work together. Yeah. You were bringing all the countries together to work together, to earn together, and to at least talk together. And that way, you're kind of avoiding the conflicts that could create work. Because most wars came at the end of bad trade discussions. It was always about power. It was always about, you know, another country's resources and getting their resources for as cheap as we could get them. Mm-hmm. It wasn't really about compromise. I mean, compromise is all about, I'll give you a bit of what you want if I get a bit of what I want. But mm-hmm. compromise now isn't like that. It's like, we want it all, but we want more of that. You know, and it's, right. and it's, it's bad. I like Sorry, I'm running away here. No, no this yeah. is brilliant. This is, yeah. I hate yourself. <laughs> I um, I just feel like when it comes to politics and it comes to Britain, my first memory of politics is with, with Tony Blair and he'd he done really well but then all of a sudden this whole invading Afghanistan and Iraq was all about oil and that, for, the, for then for that age and to now I've just never kind of I just think every politician whoever runs is just talking absolute bullshit I just I've yeah. never fully believed and they give all this promises we're going to do this we're going to do that we're going to get this we're going to get that and uh, you never see it come to decision you never well i think i mean thing i've seen has been think be, uh, sorry Stephen, two seconds no, 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 be, no, no, no. with donald trump with donald trump the only right. thing with donald trump is he got the america back on its feet but economically financially so they've not been making as much money as they have in the past maybe five six years since uh, donald trump came in i'm like ah, wow uh, for as much as he's an absolute idiot, um, he's done well financially for them. Um, see, every I think that's, other aspect, he's been pure shite. <laughs> I mean, do you not think, no? Do you not think, no? I mean, I know we say they're idiots, right? We say Trump's an idiot, and we say Boris Johnson's an idiot. It's, it's, people want us to think that they're not idiots. There's nobody in the Conservative Party do not plan things. It's all planned five, six, sometimes ten years in advance. They know what they're going to do. They put these people in place knowing exactly what they're going to get. And 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 the reason that works with Boris Johnson right now is with all the coming and going and, and all the things going on with the different members of the Conservative government, see when it comes down to carrying out all these inquiries and checking things out, 
It'll be impossible to nail one person because there's never been a clear delegated line of responsibility. It's always been a bit of his problem, a bit of his problem, a bit of my problem, a bit of your problem. And if I'm not dealing with it today, you'll deal with it today. And that's the way he's been going on. So when it comes down to it, trying to nail somebody to say, you're responsible, it's mm. not going to work. And it's the same with Trump. You know, so I don't, I mean, I don't, I don't trust the Trump administration or any of the American administration, to be honest, because how can you put billionaires into these positions mm-hmm. and expect them to look after the, hey, the people, the, the country, mm-hmm. really? I mean, I mean, you, there is, I mean, it's, <clears throat> we get into a lot of areas, it's about the, the social care and looking after people and all the rest of it, but I, I do think that, uh, it's out of control now. There is too much greed. We need to be sharing a wee bit more. We need to be looking after people a wee bit more. We should always be doing it, but we've yeah. just lost track. You know, and we're all humans. I mean, I get that. I, I, I hate it when people say, you're white, you're black, I'm Indian, you're, in, no, you're English, you're Scottish, you're Catholic, you're Protestant. We're all one species. We live under that one sky. And it's about time we started bringing that into, into life. Yeah. You know? You're right. Steve. Well, the only thing about I just sorry on you, mate. For English, uh-huh. you need to do a right good job from for me to like you. Like you need to be really good. <laughs> <laughs> but um, but no, like but we we'll come back uh-huh. to that because politics is it's really interesting. I've got a tiny wee bit of like, intellectual value in that sense. But let's talk about you and see. And sorry, Kerry. Sorry, just Gavin. just just before you do that, Steve. Um, seem you're talking about you like you don't like to categorise people. Black, white, whatever. Um, we had, I don't know, you might have watched that actually, we had Grevin Harris on the, the podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, big, big, massive black guys from Jamaica. Uh-huh. Um, and he, he had this, he came up with this saying. Now, Kenny, we're 100% going to forget this, aren't we? But, uh, so he came up with this, he came up with this, um, it's called the three Ps, right? So he believes that any sort of racism starts with these three Ps. And it was... Was it uh, politics or what was it? Something with politics, parents, and politics, else. parenting, and publishing. There you go. And he says, down to those three, when you think about it, it's you're not born to be a racist, or you're not born to be, a, you know, against Protestants or Catholics. So you're born as a person, yeah. so it doesn't make any sense. It's how you're brought up and the things yeah. that you're exposed to that that make you believe in that certain way. Um, yeah. But it was I remember when obviously when he was on the podcast, we were just like. What? You came up with that? <laughs> I thought I thought he googled it or something like that. I think he's, he's, he's right in so many ways. Right, 100%. I mean, I, I mean, if you, if, you, if you were to speak to my grandkids, they would tell you the one word, I don't like people using the word hate. Yeah. So when somebody says, well, oh, I hate you, I don't give ah. you today. Don't use that word hate. I don't like it. It's, I agree, man. It, you I know, so much I mean, I disliked it, not like hate. You know, and, and again, I'm I'm blessed because I'm very balanced. They don't have any angry bones in their body. They don't see. I mean, I I never ever looked at anybody in my whole life and thought, why are you black? I never. I just looked at a person as a person. I never I, looked I, at anybody and thought, why are you black? Why are you white? Why are you Catholic? Why are you Protestant? My mother was my mother was Catholic. My father was Church of Scotland. So he's a Protestant, and my mother was a Catholic, and that was kind of the only thing was my mother wasn't accepted into our church much the same because she'd married a Protestant. But she dealt with that in her own way. But she yeah. still had a lot of people had great values, you know? Yeah. And a, that's the sad thing about religion, you know? Yeah. Uh, the very sad like, thing about it. Look, when, when Curtis came on and explained the whole 
uh-huh. a Protestant. Why a Protestant? Is a Protestant is that they're protesting the the Catholic Church? Protesting Catholics. Um, but even oh, I was going to go back to there. Oh, this is you. have got too many good things to say. No, Curtis was talking about though. Um, like so, Curtis was from Belfast. Uh, yeah, so he obviously he was talking about when you, when you like again when he's at school aye, and all that, aye. and then playing football yeah. in the football park. I, I watched aye. that whole episode. Because I was thinking, I remember what I was thinking. It was all about your grandkids, and you're saying there's no bad bone in their body. <laughs> you, you must be telling lies because <laughs> my wee girl, if she doesn't get what she wants. Nothing will come between that. Um, if she wants this bottle of water, she will climb, scream, kick. Ah, but your girl's two. No, no, no. Uh, she's nearly two, but, but uh, no, I totally agree. Like, my, my, my dad says the same thing. He says, if I said the word starving, he went, no, no. You're not starving. Not starving. Uh, hate. I feel hate's a strong word. It's a very strong word. At any point, whenever I said I was starving, he would go, well, you're not starving. <laughs> you're not there's people out there who are starving who haven't eaten weeks you're hungry Aye. Nah, I, I think that's good values it's very good values to have 100% I, think, I mean go, go back to, to my day families were closer together they worked closer together they didn't need to travel far you know transport system didn't really exist. I mean cars there weren't a lot of cars about really in real terms but you'd have buses and you, you, you all, everybody had their own bus service etc and uh, I used to get sent up to my, my grand's on a Thursday with a little note. And that little note was asking my grand for a 10 shilling note. And that was to get my mother through the Friday. And then that would be sent back up on the Friday with a wee note and give her a 10 shilling <laughs> I mean, that, that's just the way it all worked, you know? And, and back in the day, we, the, our, our, uh, we didn't have surveillance cameras. I mean, when we stayed in Cardone, we had a big crescent in front of us. And everybody knew it. And I was a milk boy. So by the time I got to 12, I was doing milk runs and paper runs. So everybody knew me. But they knew the whole family. And you couldn't do anything without somebody seeing you. There was always somebody with their head out the window. And if your mother was shouting, Steve in, come in. And somebody would go, Missy Sawyer, there he's over there. Or there he's over here. <laughs> you know what I mean? And everybody's door was open. Everybody was very much in the same position because nobody had a lot, but they had enough. Yeah. You know, yeah. and the shared, I mean, back in the day, people would come in and use your phone, excuse me, sorry, we use your phone and then leave money at the table and use your phone. Or they'd even come and borrow a cup of sugar or a cup of milk, you know, uh, and their doors were always open, but the days are gone, you know. Yeah, I was going to say, do you think that's, do you think that's down to a, obviously a lot of, you know, maybe it still happened back then, but you didn't know about it because of social media and because of the news and whatever, but do you think it's just a trust element, like people don't trust people as much as what they maybe did back well, then think- as a community or? No, I think part of it is was obviously the ownership of cars, for instance. Yeah. I mean, you've got to remember when people people lived in areas, if somebody wanted to break, they would need to travel. And not a lot of people had cars. So they had, there was cars on the road, you know what I mean? But what I'm saying is most of the working class people didn't have lots of cars. So people would need to bus somewhere or walk somewhere. I think once people started getting cars and were able to just jump in and out of places, you know, let's go to Stirling or let's go to Aberdeen or let's go, you know, then then I think these things started to change. But back in the day, I mean, Cardown's a mining town. You'd the Cardown Colliery there. So we, we'd, we'd, the, the, we'd have the siren go off at five to seven every morning that woke everybody up. You know, and everybody just, everybody's up. And your postman, when he came round, he, our postman was at our door at quarter past seven on the nail every day. Wow. On the nail. 
I mean, you could time your you could time your watch to the to the, the postman, mm -hmm. and then you could time getting up to the and the miners pit. The buses used to go to different areas to take people home. So when I was serving my time, the buses to Kirk and Tullock were like every two hours. So I could either get the first bus at half past six or the second bus at half past eight. I started at eight o'clock. So I started drinking eight pints of milk a day and I started doing my Charles. Have you heard of Charles Atlas? I've heard the name, I don't know. Charles Atlas, he was the main big bodybuilder of the day, the keep fit man. So, and I was always into keep fit back in the day. I mean, I was really fit back in the day. So I would drink eight pints of milk a day and I would run to work. I would I'd leave the house wow. at half past six and run the emails to Kirk and Tuller. And it's a bad wee back road. That's a, a fair, that's a fair, that's a fair joint. It's <laughs> a fair joint back there. Well, it was a dangerous joint, it's a narrow road. Aye. And guys are coming with cars and some people don't care, they're close to you, you know. But, so we would do that, we used to cycle as well. I mean, one of my mates, John Ryan, he worked for the same company. And uh, both of us would just cycle or we'd both run. So there was always plenty of company. Back kept, we were mega fit back in the day because you were young. You didn't even uh, think of being an old. You just thought you'd be fit forever. Do you know what I mean? You were out there with your shirt off. Yeah, yeah, the old guys are saying, put your shirt on, you'll die of the cold, you'll get rheumatoid arthritis. <laughs> you're like, no, you won't. And now you're like, oh, Jesus Christ. I can't uh, uh, but these guys are okay. No, so that's what we've done. And, and your mother, she would make your sandwiches for you in the morning. My mother used to make, like, uh, she used to make me uh, tuna sandwiches, I love my tuna, so she'd always make me tuna oh. sandwiches. And, and I think the things my mother used to do for us, on, on a tight budget, that you didn't need to ask her friends, she just done it, she just, it was there, what's that mum? Well, that's yeah. your sandwich, you know, and away you go. And then when you come back, back in the day as well, everybody always had the kettle on. The kettle was always <laughs> on, and the soup pot was always on. See, there people, their house, their house was never empty, because when you've got the kids, you've got the kids' friends and families, and. People just came, is Stephen coming to play? Is Barbara coming to play? Is Linda coming to play? The house was always full. And then our mothers would come round and they'd get a wee bowl of soup and a wee cup of tea. And it was just, I mean, we were brought in soup because soup was a cheap commodity to make. Yeah. So you always had homemade soup, big pots of homemade soup. Oh, my so before we, we get our dinner, you only get soup. Do you know what I mean? And then you would get your dinner. And the dinner yeah. would maybe a bit lesser. But it was that the idea of that was just to keep you going. And then a Thursday, my father was a bit of a magician. My, my father comes from a whole family who, who did entertainment back in the day, all the stage shows and all that. And uh, my father brought that with him. He, he, was great, he was great at all the card tricks. He was good at all the, he was good at telling a joke. He was funny. My father was, if you took my father anywhere, nobody would let him leave. Stay, Gus. Come on, Gus. Stay. Hey. Stay again. So he would do because <laughs> he was feeling the teams. I know the feelings. He was always, he always won the quick matches. My father was always first at the quick matches. He was a snipe writer. It was it was just you know, the the sharpshooter out the red out the regiment. It was it was just funny. It was very talented. That way, do you know you got a natural footballer? I mean, I play footballer like a steamroller. I run, and if you tell me to stop, I ain't going to stop. You know, if you tell me to take a turn, I'm going to turn. I broke my leg twice playing football. I've never played the stats. Do you know what I mean? I'm just you know I'm all right. If you want me to just go ahead, take the big guy. I'll go from but. I won't stop. That's, that's, that's rugby. You know? Steven, that's rugby. Uh, is that rugby? Sorry. <laughs> I said it was rugby. You know? but I was never a footballer. Never a footballer. And not a golfer either. God, I could never pick up golf. I, I was one of the guys who don't say hit the ball too hard, take a swing, miss it, and then fall mass. You know I mean? <laughs> so people always got lots to laugh about, but it wasn't funny for me. I thought golf, would, you would have golf sussed. Hit this at this angle. Nah. No. <laughs> I've got a weak eye as well, so it's kind of hard. This, this, my right eye has always been weak. I, I, believe it or not, 
Right now, I'm sitting at 20 stone, right? So I'm a bit lighter than what I was, but I'm certainly heavier than what I was before. <coughs> My fight weight was always 14 stone. But right. the, the thing is, <coughs> what was I going to say there? I've lost track, I'm a bit like Kenny here. He's definitely watched aye. the episodes, Kenny. <laughs> aye, aye, so you're, you're the same as you're, you're 20 stone. <laughs> aye, look, I'll tell you, see when I was born, see when I was born, I was two pound weight. Wow. Oh, wow. I was, I was almost three months premature. Jesus. Wow. I was one of the lightest kids ever. And then when and back in the day, they didn't know that oxygen could damage the, the optic nerve to the brain from the eye. They didn't know that. Pure oxygen. Oh. They know it now. They didn't know it then. So that damaged the information coming from this side to the back of the brain. Mm. Uh, so it's never been perfect. But, <clears throat> but by the same time, I was only two pounds. So my father used to take photographs. Of no, if I was crying and he'd put me in a drawer and shut the drawer and then get my mother on, no, Stephen, he was crying, he's in the drawer, I just put him in a drawer. I got a work pack, you know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, <laughs> I'm the biggest, I was the smallest, I was the smallest. Every other kid in your family came in at around about six and a half pounds to seven and a half pounds. I come in at two pounds and I'm, I'm twice the size of a lot of them. I was going to say, Steve, like, you're, you're, you're looking and I'm just a big fat guy, you know. A unit? No, no, but Steve, you're, guy. you're a. You're a fair height as well, about six two or something. Like that, yeah? I know that's that's what kills people. And they go, they, they say, oh, you carry it well." And then they say, "Let's run the lamp post." I go, "No, I'm not running the lamp post." <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what's really funny? First one. Okay. I wonder if uh, I don't think there's any sort of similarity, but see, um, you know the boxer Tyson Fury. Uh, uh, so Tyson Fury, similar story to yourself. He was two and a half months premature. Uh, you know, tiny, tiny, tiny baby, and now he's six foot nine world heavyweight champion in the world and I think a lot of people you kind of get a bit scared you know oh, they're so many months premature they're going to be tiny and they're going to be this and that and what. but it's not really affected you has it? No no it's not it's like, well it's affected I've had some long term issues you know with I like your eye and stuff like problems things that were proper when I was born but but you don't know everything I mean you don't even talk about it you just go on with it you know yeah uh, Aye, it's, it's amazing. I mean, but when I see everything else that happens around about the world of tables, I, I see myself, well, thank God. Oh, I, I mean, I've made some bad choices in life as well. I've made mistakes. You know, as, you, as you're growing up and you're getting older and you're doing things, and when you're younger, you tend to, you fall for all the, let's call it the corporate bullshit, if you like, right? And I know that's a bit over the top, right? Oh, he's going for the big man. We have to drive, <laughs> no, we have to drive people, but we didn't always drive them honestly. I mean, if you think about it, you, you were making pe people are going out to work and you want to get the best out of them, but they're not always getting rewarded the way they should be rewarded. So, the one thing that most people don't know about life is the difference between money and time. I mean, do you know the difference between money and time, Kenny? Well, you give your, your, you're giving your time for a certain amount of money. So, if you give eight hours of your time, you're getting paid a certain amount of money. And but, but what's the difference? Time back, what would you say is the difference? You can't buy time. You, you can't. That's what I'm money. saying. So people are going out and you're going to ask to give your all. And back in the day, we had to work. My, my wages for a week when I first started was £10 a week. And if oh, I worked a Saturday just, Sunday, just I get £20 a week. Sorry? Just, just what, what is it you've done? So you apprenticeship. Used... Apprenticeship engineer with uh, Huden Sykes, which yeah. was part of the Huden Stewart. There was a company called Scottish Land and they did all the earth movers. And they started a pump division brand new pump division, first it's kind, 
and they called it Huden Sykes. So Huden stood for the, the Huden plant side of things, and Sykes stood for the Sykes pumps. It was Sykes pumps they were using, so it's called Huden Sykes. And they took me and my good friend who'd been at school with me through primary set, they took both of us on as apprentices. And that was before their mate was built. Their mate wasn't even built then. Wow. It's been a lot of quite. We, we were involved heavily in the North, the North Sea pipeline, the, the 40 mm -hmm. fuel pipelines, and we're involved with all the M8 all the way through, uh, with different, different types of equipment and plan and challenges. I mean, I've, I've been buried up to there in mud. I've accidentally walked into, you know, with a backfilled pipe work. You know, they've <laughs> dug up, they've put the pipes in, they've backfilled it, our machine's broken down, we're going out, no one's told us that this bit's just been filled in. You start to feel it, and then you start disappearing. Then you can't get your feet out. And the more you take your feet out, the further you get down. You've had to call for machines to come and lift you out. I mean, the pure, the pure we've got some scary, scary oh, shots. You know? I've, I've, the only time I've ever had like, a big, you know, the way we suction, we'll try to pull you, but the resistance is pulling aye. you back. Oh, aye, aye. It was when uh, it was primary school. We went right. to this whole thing. It was a big college in the middle of nowhere. Right. And we had this like, big night, and there were like, right, there's these demons in the forest. And this <laughs> time I'm susceptible to this horrible information <laughs> and we're running uh, we're in the forest we're hiding and this guy jumps out for the scream the full scream outfit oh, I'm 30. that was when i was like it was primary it's like second year mm, 12, 13 13 14 12, 13. i'm 12 13 I'm a young boy and this guy jumps out in the forest in the pitch black with a scream outfit on i ran i lost my 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 feeler trainers man so, <laughs> <laughs> both both feelings lost in the middle of this wood uh, in pitch black and I just kept running. And at uh, that moment uh, that was when I've learned the whole factor of suction when you step in this big bit of mud oh, and you don't the take shoes come on taking your foot out. Uh, you lost trainers, man. You will lost trainers. <laughs> Especially feeler trainers. You'll be quite glad you've lost them, eh? They're, they're back in style. I could have worn them again. Like but no. Uh, um, so uh, we, we used to have a, a PE teacher called uh, Mr Higgins and he was fit as hell but he would get machines in and dig up the grounds around about the school and create hills and all sorts and oh, make really? it really muddy and, and then he would take us on bus runs maybe once every two months mm -hmm. up into the camps of hills and deliberately pick areas that were swampy and we had a guy in the class uh, Billy but Billy was huge I mean he was I mean we were all fit then you know but he was really he, I mean, bigger than I was. He was really round, and he's running, and, and he's. Not, I mean, he always gave it his all, though. He didn't. He didn't complain. But we got to be legs. We had to jump the legs, and see when he jumped, he disappeared. <laughs> oh, oh, That's the first thing I'd ever seen. That I got. Where is he? He couldn't get him out. <laughs> you, were, you were getting pulled down with him, so it was getting. I mean, it was scary stuff. We thought we'd lost him. Jesus you know I mean? Christ! Is it? It was that big, and it, it kind of get round his waist. It was up towards his neck, and yeah, but all trying to get him up. But what you've got to do is stay still, actually. That's what you've got to do. Right. You've got to, you just, you just How hard? How hard must it be to stay still? Because you Because you'd be panicking like fuck. Oh, panic. Well, he, he was in tears and he was crying. Oh, you know what I mean, and, and we were laughing. That was a sad thing. But we're trying not to laugh. <laughs> of course but you are. He couldn't, he couldn't stop laughing, and he shouldn't have been like we were. At times, you were keeping a straight face, like don't laugh, and then he would just he would say something, then he would start laughing yeah. again. You know. But Mister, he wasn't prepared for it either, Mister Higgins. I think he learned a lesson from that. You know. Was there ever a, was there ever like back in the day when you were at school, was there ever like a hugely obese kid? Or was there ever that you know, like if 
just the statistics of kids nah, in school really. these days. No, not really. No, no bad. Quite day. healthy. Nah. I think it's probably it all comes down to calories, doesn't it? And and when you think about the uh, the calorie calorie expenditure as well, back in the day, like, you, you couldn't sit and sit and play the PlayStation. You would have to go out and play with your pals. You're not constantly running about, moving uh, about. Yeah. So I think it's it's just changed, isn't it? I mean, it's everything that seems to be back in the day, you didn't have all these. I mean, I'll take, like, when it came to Christmas, for instance, uh, I remember when I hit my 10th birthday, and Barbara, who's just below me, she, she was just coming up towards nine. <coughs> and my gran, my granny Hodge, my father's mother, she bought us a Christmas present, and it was one set of skates. Right. And the idea being is, we shared them. <laughs> oh, wow. So... The only place we'd play with our skates back in the day would be the school playground because it was a smooth tarmac. It was all nice and smooth. Mm. The roads were, <coughs> the pavements were. And uh, so you'd either end up going to school with one skate or you'd fall out and steal one and then you'd be arguing because you've got my <laughs> skate. You know what I mean? Uh, <laughs> but what I'm saying is back in the day, you were always expending your energy. Yep. I mean, we used to play chaps and commandos and jump over fences and go running. And, <laughs> Which, but we'd even Which chaps? What is Japs? Japs and Commandos, Japanese, the Japs and Commandos. You see these Japs little bits called Commando. At its finest, in it? This is before they knew it was racism. <laughs> <laughs> you need to be the bad guys. You need to get killed. I mean, that, and, that's how it starts. You get all these comics and things that tell you they were the bad guys, we the good guys. You know what I mean? Uh, but, no, no, you're right. But back in the day, the, the, I think the big thing, though, uh, Gavin, was back, back in the day, People did more of their home cooking. There was everything in the house for your home cooking, you know? Yeah. I mean, my, my father used to, on a Thursday, he made that his day for the kids. So he would come in and he would start making tablet. And, yeah. and the way they make tablet, and this is the old school way of making it, is it'd be one cup of sugar to one cup of milk. So you've been, right. depends how much you want to make, but just ordinary white sugar. So one cup of sugar to one pint of milk, and it had to be full cream milk. So you'd maybe put in five cups of milk, five cups of sugar, bring it to a boil and simmer it, and it'd go that real brown way. And it's good. the whole smell would go through that house. Oh. Then he would shut the curtains. And I told you he was a bit of a comedian as well as a, he was good at all the tricks. Oh, yeah. I mean, he taught us all the tricks, but we don't play. My brothers would play cars, but they always win because they're always cheating. And I never <laughs> played it because my conscience wouldn't let me assemble. But they would be cheating. people all the time. I'm going to go somewhere back in the day. They'd be books. And you owe me a fiver and you owe me six quid. Don't <laughs> pals. But anyway, uh, but no, I'm saying, so my father, he would, he would, for instance, he'd shut the curtains, we had big curtains, wall wall curtains, he'd shut the curtains, and a big cold fire in the living room. And then he'd turn the lights down. And then he'd come in with your pals, and he'd sit there, and they'd smell a tablet, and we'd go on for dinner, and we're all sitting there. And then the, the ice cream van used to stop outside the door, door, and they'd turn the ice cream in, and then my dad would start telling the story. And back in the day, there was a guy in the radio called The Man in Black. Right. Right, it, it used to be radios. My granddad used to listen to this guy and it was like, this is a man in black. Oh, the story. That was a sexy voice. <laughs> this is a man. So my dad would start telling these stories. Now you can imagine the lights out, right? And the flames are off the fire and the sparks all over the walls and the ceilings. And then your pals would be listening, you know? And, and uh, my brother, the pal, I, I can't remember his name, uh, Angus had a pal, oh, what was his name? I think his yeah. second name was Doherty, but he was sitting there and he's reading and he's listening to the story. And then my dad had tied the thread to his big toe. 
And as he went to tell the story, and all of a sudden there was a big bang, and the curtains flew open because my dad pulled his foot, the sink pulled the curtains. <laughs> the boy got up, and they ran, we had a big long hall, and they ran, and they ran away at the hall when I mean, he was up the street and his parents and they went something like that. Oh, it was funny. I mean, we all laughed later. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> That's that, my father would do that every Thursday. He would either sit, they were all singers, all the family all sang songs, they were all singers, they liked to sing. Uh, just Steve, what I'm saying is, there was no, it was all home cooking. So you didn't even have supermarkets. You, uh-huh. you, there was, you didn't have supermarkets you've got now, you didn't have the fast foods. I mean, it was, it was starting to come out and uh-huh. they were able to buy things, but people were still buying, they were still going to the butcher and buying their mince, their stew, their steak, the bone for the dog, the bone for the soup. You can't even buy a bone for a soup now, but you say, uh-huh. well, you, you got the bones for nothing back in the day. Back in the day when a pub was open, they used to, Put the drink, you couldn't buy your drink, but they gave you the bottle of lemonade for nothing. You got it on the table. All right. You'd get your bottle on the table and you would just help yourself. I mean, everything's cha- everything's chargeable now, because back in the day it wasn't quite like that. You know? But anyway, I've got another bit. But that's what I think sometimes. I think we're into fast foods. We're not eating properly because we're eating too much shit, really. It's convenient. Well, if you look at how the vegan thing's taking off, I'm always getting lectured. I look at my nephews and nieces are into the vegan thing. Yeah. And, and they're right into it and I mean they're tacky if you, if you don't agree I mean it's like you know, you know, <laughs> right guys you know but it's animal welfare and you're right I, I do care about animals I do care about 100%. animals ah, I know, I know. But, but I'm still a great believer if you want change you have to do it by the democratic process we have to make changes and then make people accountable which we don't do most people Aye. don't take enough interest, so we don't make them accountable, and that's why they get away with it. But if you really want to make change, you can't go about going, we need change, we need change, and then say, what do we do Aye. about it? Uh, I don't know. I don't do you know what I mean? Because that's what most people do. Aye. I don't know. Aye. Just stop eating it. Okay, when you stop eating it, what happens to people that make money? What about all the countries Aye. where it's a religious thing to be eating animals and killing animals? I mean, animals. I, mean it's I think it, religion. a lot of the, the, the things when it comes to like, the world and the ozone and all that, is the the methane for cows? So I remember one of my good friends from Australia, Brett. He he's really big on it. He's highly intelligent. In fact, I need to mention him because he'd be quite interesting. He speaks about like um, if everybody stopped eating beef, but the the ozone layer would heal itself because at this rate of progression, at some point in the next thirty or forty years, there'll no be. An ozone layer. I don't that know was 30, 40, but I'm Kenny. That was in the. Uh, I'm sure that was in that Game Changers um, documentary, Steve on uh, Netflix. Because um, mm-hmm. my, my well, Sammy and I, Sammy started. Uh, we watched Game Changers, and she started really getting a bit more involved. With, but it was this so much veganism? It was more vegetarian. Help health, wasn't it? It, was the, it, was, it was for a health benefit. So. Uh, uh, there's quite there's quite a lot of science behind the the bad bacteria um, well, in is. your gut caused by specifically red meat, but mm-hmm. animal products in general. So, hundred percent. But Kenny, what you were saying there, that's it's definitely right because I, I remember it was in that documentary and there's been in another few yeah. watched as well. It's, it's uh, as a thing. <laughs> well, the thing is, it's, 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 I mean, I've been I've been getting a new scientist since I was about twenty one, and I get it every week, and I've never stopped getting it. I've, wow. I keep up to date with these things all the time, and. And I look at what's happening in the world and I think, what can we do? I mean, the thing is, there are things, there's, there's always so many things going on all at once. So we do have all these issues with animals and how we breed and 
it's cruelly. I mean, there's a lot of cruelty out there and it needs to stop. Ah, it's pretty poor. But, pretty and poor. it can only change if some of us start making a change for our own habits, but it's not easy either, you know, uh, because it's never made financially easier either. I mean, there's never really, there's, there's always a kind of price point where things are much the same, they're not much cheaper. Yeah. Uh, but then you say, well, it's not about the money, but, you know, for some people it is, for a lot of people it's the money. Uh, but, if, again, if you look into the future, within 30 years, I mean, Look at what Tesla are doing right now. They're building this new car and oh, this new so machine that will mold this car it. almost in three parts. Three parts of this one car, most of it in one part. Which what the way he they view it is they don't want people on the production line because people people time slows everything down. So everything's got to be automated. Where people will be employed will be to look after the machinery, look after the equipment, program it, fix it. But as far as production goes, for accuracy and for reliability, the machines will do it. And, and you know, there's, there's no stopping this technology. I mean, he's, he's already, he's 10 years ahead to everybody else. Oh, he's Even in his space programme, Jesus. Do you know what I mean? Have you watched SpaceX? I did. Oof, Steve, have you... No, you go again. Sorry, continue. Steve, have you followed... Um, much about the Neuralink that Elon Musk has developed. It's unbelievable. That's scary as well, isn't it? I mean, how they can put their probes in. I mean, that's a robot that does that. You know that? Uh, so uh, you want that, you get that Neuralink. It's, a, it's not a human being that's going to put any of that. Ro you're going to sit in this chair, the robot's going to measure, it's going to measure the lasers and all sorts, get the right position, cut your scalp home, lift the part out, lift up the component, put all these probes into your brain in such a way that there's no bleeding. You know, and then they're going to seal it, and it, it goes flush with the skull. So you just put your your your, your head back over the top of it, and it's all done with a robot, a robot. You know, and it's I, like that. Just goes back to what you were saying about everything going to be automated, I, even things you know, like that. I know it's very futuristic, so things well, like that really will exist. But I mean, when you say futuristic, I mean, listen, see what you're seeing there. Whatever you're seeing there, the multi's already got it. The military's already got it. I mean, they're into all these things. I mean, when we talk about UFOs, half the time I believe it's the military. That's what the equipment they've already got. They're just not telling us about. Do you know what I mean? I mean, that's not. It's not a conspiracy theory. It's just. It's not. I definitely. The problem we have though is when you move into automation. Well, look at they've already licensed the flying car. Right. So the flying car's getting released. Oh, it's that's all licensed, ready to go. And there's more than one type of flying car. And then. You've got the taxis, the Tesla taxis, the flying taxis that are starting in London next year. And it, it's just, you jump in it, you just type in where you're going and it flies itself, takes you where you're going to go. Yes. It works within a wireless network, an invisible road if you like, do you know what I mean? And it just follows that pathway and it knows how to take avoidance. We'll be able to have cars flying above and below each other. And they're all electric. They're not even, no. I mean, there's no combustion. And, uh, and I know, it's just, and, but you look at, I mean, if you look at most of the jobs that people take up, there's not a lot going as, no, they're paid out. They're, say somebody's paid off and they're not going to work. One of the easiest ones to get into is taxi driving. You know, they're going to get a car, they'll become a taxi Aye. driver. The money's not great, but if you put hours in, you can make a cross. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, so they'll get and they'll do that. But that's all going away. Do you know I mean, that's, that's, that's going to disappear. And, and lorries doing deliveries, guys, that's all going to stop. You know what I mean? But I mean, basically, I mean, they're going to have the driverless buses drive between Glasgow and Edinburgh. They're already they're on trial just now. There's a driver on the bus. But the bus is already travelling between Glasgow and Edinburgh back driving <laughs> itself, you know, doing all the stops, doing all the manoeuvres. What so would you say what would you say if there's any sort of occupations that are kind of safe? And this do you think there is any? 
But I think <coughs> if you look at the Neuralink, <coughs> sorry, I'm gonna be cop. I'm gonna be half. I'm gonna be half. Cheers. Sorry, I'll 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 fold the gap here. So see the uh, sharing tester on the second uh, <coughs> January this year. Uh huh. It was eighty six dollars. A share right. today is four hundred and twenty two. Man, there you go. So that goes to show. <coughs> I mean, throw it. In the fact that <coughs> yeah, uh, you know, the I, I, I think there's there's no stopping during lockdown. So Amazon, Tesla, um, Zoom, which were on the yeah. room, have in any thrived. Internet business has absolutely thrived during lockdown. The only thing that I would think I seen on TikTok the other day is a uh, a Tesla is that heavy that the tires wear out a hell of a lot quicker. Another cars. That's all. Only negative that I can think. I mean, of. There's, 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 I mean, I'm an engine man. I know engines inside out, right? Most engines have got a minimum moving component of 400 parts, minimum. The bigger engines, you can go up to over a thousand parts, because your crankshaft's turning, your rod ends are turning, the bearings, the small end bearings, the big end bearings, the pistons are going up and down, the the, the valves are opening and shutting. There's just so many things happening in the engine. It does, you know? and the thing about bulbs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's so that's many, but that is mad, isn't it? So, but what you get with a Tesla is one, <coughs> one electric motor. It's amazing, isn't it? It's so... Four wheels. Steve, <coughs> see, see me just mentioned wheels there. I just remembered, what is it you fill your tyres with? Nitrogen. Nitrogen. Why did I do it? Do you remember? I, I can't remember why, but I remember you telling lighter. me. Why did I put nitrogen? Eh? It's lighter. It's lighter than air. No, no, but uh, it, it can be lighter, but it's more stable than air. Right. The, the reason I use nitrogen, well, nitrogen is what they put into aircraft tires. Right. Right. Because it doesn't. The cold weather, hot weather, temperature doesn't affect it, so it stays stable. But the big thing is, it's a, it's the molecules a lot larger. And the, the air that we've got in the car and in your tyre normally you put air. So but what happens to a tyre eventually if it doesn't come out through the valve, it seeps through the wall of the tyre from the wheel. But if you've got a larger molecule, it can't get through. So the nitrogen tyre stays more stable. So if you put 30 PSI in it, that will stay at 30 PSI for six months as opposed to having to check your tyres every week or every month and you just put air in. And it's a soft I mean, I, I mean, I know I say that, but I do it all the time. I mean, I, I think you know I drive with winter tires all the time, but yeah. I pick a good quality winter tire. I always, I don't go cheap on them. I mean, I, some of my tires cost over hundred thirty pound each, hundred forty pound each, which isn't a lot of money, really. Oh, great. Okay. No, but that's so, one. That's one thing I always remember is you saying like, going back to being in work, don't buy something on the cheap as a quick fix. You're going to end up spending double or triple what you've spent as a quick fix. Just Get it good and proper, and it will last. Because it's price, it's price, it's price over cost. Yeah. Well, we used to buy a lot of power access machines when I was with SGB power access. And if you went to Italy, you could buy. Have you seen the big Simon Tours, the fabricators? And they go on them, they elevate them up, and they got the ladder. Aye, aye. They're up and they're, you know, they're jiggling a bit. Well, they can cost you easily three hundred thousand pounds. But if you go to Italy, you'll get the same machine. It looks the same for about one hundred fifty thousand pounds. But you know. See, when you buy a Simon tour, you'll have it for 100 years. You buy an right. Italian machine, it'll last you 50 years max, and you'll already still spend about four times the money to keep it going. It's all cheap alloys, it's all cheap. It's just everything cheap. You know, and sometimes people look at price, 
and and over the over the piece it's cost more, you know. So, right. it, but it depends on how you want to do your books and how you want to make your money. You know, a lot of people, a lot of plant hire companies used to be a lot more plant hire companies about than there is now, but plant hire companies would buy these machines in and then hire them out at a given rate. I mean, we used to, when the exhibition centre was in built, uh, we used to hire out machines at six hundred pounds a week, right? Mm. And back in the day, I mean, that's a way back in the early seventies, six hundred a lot of money for a machine. And I remember. We got near the end of that when we were building, well, it was the late one, 70s, one time, it was later on. But, but I know when we got to, I think it was 80-something, when, when we got to doing the concrete floors, the machines by the time they'd done all the building were leaking oil, a lot of hydraulic oil. So the site agent came up and said, uh, you need the machines off-site. And we had about 15 machines oil and 600 pounds a week. Do you know what I mean? Jeez. Get them off-site because they're spilling oil. And... Uh, the solution was to get poly bags and put polythene underneath them, right? Yes. <laughs> and we had to see somebody all right, so they stayed on the site. And then we had to take, we sent somebody there every day to take the poly sheets off and clean them and then put them back on. You know what I mean? Back the 85, day, was, 85 uh, the CCC was finished. But 85, I knew I was 87. Just trying to remember, it's all the years ago. Yeah. Oh, so, what, Steve, what, so obviously you started, what was your apprenticeship in engineering, you said? Engineering. So when we, when we left school, when I left school, I went straight to college, Cope Prince College. Right. Right. And that was a cracking college, you know. There was a, a couple of wee gangs in it, you know. There was a couple of, uh, <laughs> when you, when you travel from Cardown to Cope Bridge, we were aliens, you know. Oh, there's a boys from Cardown, we're going to get them. So you kind of... When you're younger, you kind of dreaded it sometimes. So you had to go into your head, stand there waiting a bus, and all these guys be hanging about knowing that you were from somewhere else. And, right. But, but you were the storm, you know. And uh, with a bully, I remember with a bully in the class, and uh, he was trying to make a boy stick his fingers into the electric mm. sockets. And I've hated bullies all my life. You can't do that. You can't do that in front of me because uh, I used to be quite fiery. I mean, I, used, I, I had a mate at school. Uh, the school, Christ and Secondary is a school I went to, it's in your head. It's a new school now, the original school's been locked down, they've rebuilt one of these new academy things. Aye. But back in the day, and there was a, a boy in the school called Hudson, Hudson Cairns, and he was a kind of bully, you know what I mean? But he never bullied me, I was, I, I was always kind of tall, and he just, he never came near me, but he bullied everybody else in the class. But my mate, Bobby Duncan, was half the size of me, and, he, and we used to do the cross-country, you know, that I told you PT used to make it to us. He always won it. He was just, he was just a, he'd keep up with him for the first two circuits. But see, after that, you were struggling, but he was always away. So Hudson Kings didn't like him, you know. And back in the day, they used to sit up in, in the assembly hall on the stage in between classes. You watch TV, Tommy's or that. That's what we used to get with a big TV. And then, now and again, you had to go and watch these programs on the TV. So we're watching the TV. The teachers all go away. And they started bullying my. My mate, Bobby, who is half the size of me, but a nice kind of genuine guy. He's building on his shoe, on his school. And he's doing the front of me, and he's saying, I'm off the seat. And he's, and he's doing things, and I was at the back, and I thought, I can't do this anymore. And I got up, and I, I picked my chair up, and I walked in, and he's going away to put his head, and I get expelled for three days. <laughs> three days? <laughs> three days, I get expelled. <laughs> and the, and the, you thought you were Hulk Hogan, and you get no. suspended for three days? No. But, but, but you know what? It, it took me a second and said, well done, Oji, well done. Oh, 100%. I mean, right, I can't have, you can't have this, you know, and I thought, oh. and then I thought, for weeks I thought they were going to jump me, I thought, because there were a big crowd of them, I thought, I'm going to get junk at home or whatever, but nothing ever happened. But no, I think about it. 
Oh, no, you're, you're right. That, you'd be shit scared of him. No, but when you're younger, you do have fear. You're not, you're not the baby. I mean, you do have fear when you're young because you've you, you not got enough experience, you know, and about life. And I say, so I, I, I don't know that. But working, working with the type of guys we worked with, who were all ex. Uh, Merchant Navy guys. A lot of guys back in the day were out in the Merchant Navy. The Merchant Navy had been shutting down. Engineers that knew everything. I mean, it, we worked huge sites with the type of company you had to be multi-skilled. Now, to take you back to that day, the unions were very powerful in that day. So, if you were, if we had, if we get sent to a job and it was on, say, Clyde Bank, and you get into the shipyard, you'd get into the shipyard, and the first thing we'd ask is, "What you need to fix?" And you say, "I'm going to fix a generator." All right. What are you fixing? The, the generator. Now remember you're 17, 18 or something. I'm going to fix the generator. Ah, but what are you fixing? I don't know what you mean. You go, well, are you fixing the generator, which is electrical, or are you fixing the engine, which is mechanical? <laughs> and you're like, ah, well, I don't know yet because I've not seen it. It's broke down. You can't fix both, son. Can't fix both. Not allowed. And it wasn't allowed. So you had to take a guess and go, well, from what I've been told, the guys have told me they've got no power from it. Because actually, there's no power, it's no working. So you go in, you find it, it's no work because you can't start the engine, but you can't fix it because you're not allowed to, you have to go away. And then get somebody else to come in and fix it. I mean, that's what it was like back in the day, the unions right. controlled everything. So did Whereas, Huden just... Sykes, no, but it changed over, I mean, it changed over the two or three years, it changed rapidly. I mean, they were right, you were getting asked to do jobs that, you're doing the jobs of three men, if you like. You're doing electrical, mechanical, and welding, even, stuff like that. We would job of four men sometimes, wearing four hats. Nothing different for you guys too. I mean, we're all wearing hats now. But back in the day, the union took the view as you're wearing four hats, but you're not paid one wage. And we're not having it. We're not Aye. having it. And they're kind of right, you know? But Aye. you'll never be anything unless you know as much about everything as you can. So, and, and the way moving forward, guys, and I know this sounds old and fuddy and duddy and coming from an old guy like me, but... So old, man. The way, <laughs> no, but the, see, the way moving forward, Kenny, is generality. Generality. Knowing a bit about everything, aye, uh-huh. knowing how to join the joints together between different tasks, that's aye. the way forward now. You don't need to be a specialist in any field. Aye. Know enough and get the guys you know, but you learn how to join the dots up, you learn how to learn. That's the way to go and that's the way it's going to be because you'll have computers, quantum, phys- quantum physics is, I mean, quantum computers are going to take us, it's a new industrial revolution, you know, yeah. quantum physics the quantum light computers, the calculations they do, everything they do. You know, they, they, did, a, they did an equation there. The Google computer did an equation. What, in eight seconds, it was meant yes. to take, like, 10 years. Eight mm. seconds. Mm. The people don't understand what computers do, but to be honest, that's the way forward. You know what I mean? Gab, it's uh, just... 100%, aye. You know? There's kids so, out there who are spending between eight and $10,000 just on a computer to play a game on. Uh, so if you if you if you're no enlightened enough to understand that if a computer is worth that much to a kid, what can a computer be worth to multinational companies? Like, yeah, I I know what you mean. Have, I, you, have you have you have you got any any shares in Latin companies, Stephen? No, have you no. no? No, I'm really deep, guys. Come on, get a break. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were a computer stuff. But the door! Oh, fine, Jim, I'll get her in. I'm going to be the lights! It's coming, 
So see see how you said you had to wear many hats and then you had to kind of do X, Y, and Z. Was 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 that the kind of making of you that you had to wearing all these different hats? Uh, but I was that succeed. I was that. I was telling you about my mother. I, I remember a salesman. Was the only argument I ever heard my mother and father having. This salesman came to the door. He was selling encyclopedias called Children of the World. Right? Oh. And it was a big red encyclopedia and it was big print. And it was all about Father John, no, John being the father and his son yeah. John, John Jr. And about the wife. And the wife done all the cooking, the washing, and John done all the work and the fixing. And he was teaching young John how to fix things. And it told you how to get into radios and take bulbs out. I mean, it was amazing. And I loved it. Yeah. But, it, but they were dear. I mean, the whole set, I mean, at the back of the day, it was like thousands of pounds worth uh, just to buy these encyclopedias. But I loved was, them. I ended up that... going back and forth. Uh, just did, uh, just so enjoyable, you know. Did they drop one off and then take that one back? No, no, you collected oh, them, but oh, it was expensive. And it was a pain oh, up. Right. So I remember my father coming in going to sis. And uh, mum said, I've got that for the kid. Come on, mum, she does to be clever. She was pushing, come on, you can do it. She wasn't forcing it, just... Just open her eyes up, you know. Um, and, and and basically, uh, my father wanted to give the books back. My mother's like, no, 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 give them back. No, 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 we're keeping them we're for our children. No, you can give them back, but don't spend that money on a book. <laughs> no, yes, we are. So we kept them. <laughs> so, I mean, Brilliant. But, uh, but no, so that, that's what the interest going. And then when, when I left school, uh, see how you leave school, you're just not quite sure what you want to do. Oh, definitely you know? not. And, uh, but when I left school, my mother got me my first job, and it was a job in the accountant. You know? An accountant? Aye. But it was only to fill a gap, so I, went, I was going to college. But I, I, I hated it, because back in the day, it was just filling in boxes. Uh, and, then, and more than that, they were always sending me to the shop for the food, and that was getting me down, you know what I mean? Right, get some big budget to go to the shop. You know, you're buying lasagnas and buying all these different shops to buy things. And I thought, aye. I hate this job. And then my mate, John Ryan, his father was an engineer, a great engineer, and he, he, he sadly passed a number of years back. He got MS. But he was a brilliant engineer. And my other mate, Gordon Smith, his father's engineer, he worked rather than Barford for the, the big steamrollers and things. And uh, I just loved all that. So John said, listen, they're looking for apprentices. Come on, we'll go in and we'll... And we ran, we got the jobs right away. We were so damn lucky. Two years. And the both of yeah. us were through primary, through secondary. So it was good, because with that... But he knew more about nuts and bolts because his father was a my father was my dad was a marine we came out. He started it was all painting and decorating building houses and that's where I got all that side for My father was into you know, all the decorating the houses, putting in extensions uh-huh. and roofs and so I was getting dragged. My mother used to send me out with my father. So my father would come home at a reasonable time. <laughs> so <laughs> it came to the, it came to the weekend, for instance, okay. my mum my mum would say, Take Stephen with you. And that meant he would need to come back and not go straight to the pub because the men used to go straight to the pub maybe after, no, oh. for a couple of jobs before they went home. But they used Imagine to stand in the car and leave me back. I got a crystal water pistol. Yes. But a pint back then was, was so cheap. Well, it was cheap. I was miss cheap. But I mean, but it didn't feel that straight at all. There's a reason. Wages, I mean, the average wage when I was serving my time was like 60 pounds a week. Do you know what I mean? That was average man's wage, 60 pounds a week. I remember uh, my granddad told me this about three weeks ago my granddad's about 74 75 and uh, he was telling me about the first time I was asking him how long he'd been in his current house he said how long he's been in here and he said oh whatever 40 40 50 year um, and he said that he, my granddad came across uh, a mortgage statement or I don't know what you would call it back then if it was the same idea but 
Yeah, you know what I mean. You know what I'm trying to say. It's, I don't know. Yeah, it's I know. But bungalow was too. I mean, when Wimpy used to build bungalows, and every th- every third one they made was profit, and yet oh, they were right. selling the bungalows at nineteen hundred pounds. Jeez, oh. bungalows at nineteen hundred pounds. Bishop Banks, nineteen hundred. Well, he, he had he had, he had bought a. I think he had they had two kids at that point. Um, my uncle and my dad, and then the third kid was on the way. My uncle Jerry and they had uh, bought this. It was like a bed set, pretty much. It was a, I think it was like a, you know, a kitchen living room where the toilet was outside. Right, but, I know. I have uncle George as well. Aye, aye. Uh, hundred, hundred, hundred and ten pound that he bought it for. Do you know what I mean? They're like, I can't fathom that like, people pay. You pay that for well, you pay double that for a car, car finance. Aye, aye, exactly. You know, I mean, that's how bad it is. That's how I feel. I mean, I, I'm not a great believer in private ownership anymore. No. I look at Germany's economy. It's mostly rented stuff they've got. I mean, I think there's too much focus on money. I think we have to look at the value of money rather than the money thing. I think yeah. we have to look at society as a whole. I think, you know, but going back to that relationship that we're talking about between money and time, everybody's having to work long hours because our jobs demand it. And But everybody can tell you how much money they've got in the bank. Everybody can tell you how much money they've got to spend, how much money they need to spend next week, how much they'll be short of, how much they've made over or whatever. But you don't even go to die next week or the following week or the next month. So that relationship's kind of important. And, and this thing about, you know, I know people talk it and say, you know, you've got to have a good work balance, but most employers don't really give you that scope. They have to work hard to get that scope. Yeah. And then you have to have the the personality to carry it through and make sure that people do buy it and have the strength of character to stand up to people and say, no, look, I want our employees to actually enjoy their life a bit, yeah. you know, and, and they'll take responsibility a wee bit more. I mean, there is always somebody who'll take an arse or something. There's always somebody, you know. Aye, of course. You know, and, and they always talk about the poor ripping people off. But, you know, if you look at the, the very, very, very rich, I'm talking about the ones that are very top of all these companies, why do you think all the tax bills are so complex? The 1%, isn't it? The 1%. They're using the law to their advantage from the ones that bought land. And, and, you know, it's just, it's a bit of a mess, you know? Yeah. Uh, and no matter how good you are to people, we all know people like it. There'll be people know how good you are to them, they'll still just be empties. Do you know what I mean? But there's a lot of work. But all you can do is the domino effect. My father was a great believer in the domino effect is you just be kind to the guy next to you and hopefully he'll pick up something from you and you'll be kind to the guy next to him. And that's uh, kind of all you can do, you know, I think. But no, you're, so, you're, you're so right. It's all about teaching people and kind of paying it forward. That mm-hmm. you got to say that, Kenny, you said you've done that. I was going to, I've done this, you said, I was just going to see if you <laughs> going back and talking Because I want to get back onto about Stephen's life because we've only got to him just like, getting <laughs> back into the Oh, no. And, I love it. But, but um, no, I just, just well, we can move. Just just um Jeff Bezos, talk about him. Who? Um you're talking about Jeff Bezos, the guy that owns Amazon. Aye, 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 uh, aye. So, so since lockdown, he before lockdown he was off like hundred and twenty eight billion dollars in to this like well, let's say thirtieth August or something, like, right? Uh, he's worth what gave a hundred he's uh, he's gonna be worth two hundred billion come the end of the year. Yeah. Do you know he his salary at Amazon's only eighty nine thousand dollars a year? Only. Yeah. I say only. <laughs> Aye. But yeah. 
Uh, but he's, he's always shared some of that. In different things. Yeah, I mean, I think, I mean, don't get me wrong, I've, I've followed that guy throughout his whole career and he's been very clever. Have you ever yeah. watched any? He's, he's had lots of interviews with guys and he planned this. His goal was always to put the customer first. Mm-hmm. So I know he gets attacked because he doesn't pay great wages and all the rest of it, but his goal is to have a company that put the customer first. And if you look at it, it's kind of succeeded that way. You go on that online, it's there the next day or the day after. And how they get the logistics so perfect on that and, and keep their stock up. And, and, and don't get me wrong, it, it pushes a lot of company. I mean, everybody thinks, oh, you go in there, you get what you want. But the competition is horrendous. No you can't just have an account, stick it in Amazon, and you're going to get rights. Because there's a thousand people on there doing the exact same thing as you're going to do. Exactly. And it's just yeah. getting them to go your direction, you know. I think the biggest problem is society when it comes to what we're doing. I mean, you can do all your banking online. So the guy that used to go to the bank is no longer going to the bank. And the banks are shutting down anyway. Aye. But you used to go to the bank, you would talk to your neighbour. How are you doing there, Joe? Everything all right? And I remember my granddad going down to get his pension, going to the post office, and he'd meet all his pals going down there and tell a wee player that. Then maybe drop into the club for a wee pint or a, a wee drink, a game of dominoes or a, you know, a game of drafts or something, you know what I mean? Even a game of chess. And they would do all that. And... and, and and women go out shopping. They like to go out and touch things and feel things and see things. And, and it's a day out. But if you're locking up now, it's very much like just talking to your phone all the time. People are losing this social interaction. And you know what texts are like. People misread texts and follow out very easily. And people say things they don't mean. And, uh, and, and I think... It's out of context, isn't it? Ah, it's all out of context. And I think that there's a danger that people who never get out will never get out. Because do your banking online, do your shopping online. So that, that they've got, I mean, people like me, I mean, I'm on my own most, most days. I work away here and I talk to lots of people. Where I'm sitting just now is where I sit roughly 15 hours a day. Because I'm in here and I'm doing all that stuff for my Spears uh, McDonald Hodge media thing. Yeah. So I'm in here and I'm, I'm doing all, I've got all my equipment all in the back there and I'm back and forth. But this is where I sit, this is where I'm at. And all I do is move next door into the room and watch a bit of TV. I don't like watching TV. I've got too many memories in the house. My grandchildren stay with me, but I like. I don't want to get them too involved. They go upstairs, do their thing. I don't want to. So I can, I can talk some subjects. And I don't want to make them feel as if I get arrested. You know what I mean? Aye. But they do their own thing. I mean, fans, she's staying with a friend tonight. She, I'll leave you to do your pod, podcast yourself, Granddad. <laughs> so she's away. I was going to pull her in. When are we working with the boys? Anyway, so no, I think. I see so you could end up really lonely in a, in a different kind of way. You can be surrounded. I mean, see me, for instance, I, I'm surrounded with so much love. I, I'm oh. really blessed. I'm surrounded with lots of love. But I feel like the loneliest guy in the world. For lots of reasons, I won't get into that. But I'm just saying, so I, I worry for people who, 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 who take on this thing now where everything you do is just online, you know? Uh, uh, I think it's... But, it's too easy. See, we don't have an association with somebody. I do business with you, Kenny, because I like you. So I'd come, I'm doing that because that's Kenny. I don't, but even if you look at Scott, you don't, you're not doing business with companies. You're doing business with the, with the people you create relationships with. Yeah. So if I want to talk to boys about training and stuff, I come and talk to you because I know you guys and I trust you guys. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I relate to you guys, but I don't want to do it online. I don't want to just sign up and do that. It doesn't work. You know, you trust people and you need that. That's what develops your own your own self-reliance and confidence and getting to know people and meet people, get to see how people look at you and, you know, different things. But 
No, there's, there's a lot to be. I think Gavin, there's a lot to be worried about when we just do everything online. 100%. 100%. I remember seeing your thing about the whole, so my job is, is sales, right? So I can relate to that so much because when, when I speak to somebody on the phone, it can be a totally different conversation when I speak to them in person. Mm-hmm. See, when they come in, you can, you've got such more uh, rapport with the person. You can, you know, it's just so different. I remember, uh, Steve, I don't know if you remember this, but you had invited me to a, a meeting you were having. So somebody was, some, uh, you were having to buy a, a pressure washer for the hotel. And you invited me and said, this guy's coming in as a sales pitch. You've got to do a sales pitch on this pressure washer. And uh, they came in. And obviously you, you've got quite an expertise in a lot of these things and you research a lot. So you know what you're talking about prior to people coming in. And you know yeah. what I mean? So you know what you're going to ask. And I remember this guy, we sat down in the restaurant and you were sitting, the guy came in, introduced himself, very salesy, blah, blah, blah. See, within about five minutes, I was like, inside myself, was chuckling so hard because I was like, this guy must think, get the fuck me, <laughs> get me out of here. Because Steve was just, like, you were saying all these terms, which was right in saying it because you're trying to get the best product to the bit. But this guy did not have a clue what you were saying. And it was so, so funny. To see it like, uh, Aye, so this guy was a salesman. He was a salesman. That's what he didn't know about the product to the extent he probably should have to try and sell it. Uh-huh. But Steve did. So this guy's asking, you know, so about he's talking about prices and things like that. Never mind about prices. What's this? I don't know. Uh-huh. I don't know anything about pressure losses, you know what I mean? But you're talking uh-huh. about different things and the guy's saying, I don't know. I don't know. So uh-huh. Uh-huh. I felt as if you got a good deal out of that at the end. <laughs> <laughs> what, what you were trying to do is again was make sure you get the right product, the right job. And how many companies got most companies have got most companies want to sell and keep the business and keep it going good. You want a you want you want a relationship with other companies. That's how it works. But you need to make sure that you get what is of value to you, you know, and what's going to do you, what's easier to use, are there parts on the shelf, you know, things that make the whole I mean, we used to worry about say say the swimming pool and the plant, you know. If a motor packs in, is there a motor on the shelf? You know, if you've if you've bought the motor, if you've built this from parts from Italy, and it breaks down, I don't want to have to go to Italy because I'm going to wait three months. So if you if you're selling this pool and all this plant kit, is that kit available? Is it on the shelf so that if anything goes wrong, we can order it and it'll be there the next day? Because you know the downtime is involved in swimming pools. You know, and they're very expensive. There's not a lot of money in swimming pools. I mean, even the best run swimming pool costs you money, really. It's an ad, it's a benefit to your customer, it's not truly a benefit to the hotel. It, it pulls around and does what you want to do and sell all the other, all the other aspects, but it's an expensive piece of kit, you know. You've learned all this through experience, so where did you get all the experience with this? Well, see, we, we as service engineers, we, we, we serve our we service engineers, but service engineers, so they would put pumps, pumps from around the country. So you had to know that pump inside out. But the thing is, when you get set out, we would get sent out with burning gear, burning gear, oxyacetylene built burning gear, uh, gas welding, electric welding, uh, all our parts. And we kind of, when something broke down, you kind of thought, this is where it is. I've got a feel for it. will be the gearbox, it'll be the pump. And you never go with the customer tells you because it's you always get in there and you've got to start methodically. Where you check it out right, don't just if they say all oh, the gearbox is packed in, don't start taking the gearbox out 
fumbled isn't the gear box so maybe something else never take anybody's word for it just start from the beginning check it out and do it but we would be getting sent out to Aberdeen one day and then the way down south the next day or into fast lane and you through all the security in fast lane and through all the silos and that so when you're doing into all these things you've got to be prepared so we had a lot of times we had to make things just make it if, if there was a gasket and a gasket going, we'd be making the gaskets out of paper. We knew how to make oh, these gaskets out of paper. And we'd never be hammers and we'd cut out all these gaskets with three layers and grease and we'd use string as gaskets as well. We knew all the tricks for to make things because when you oh. went there, it was cause there's always downtime with pumps. The North Sea pipeline, if, if the pumps went down, they had to stop production, they had to stop laying the pipe. And there was a penalty for that for the companies that were laying the pipe so they would bang it back on yours because your pump is packed in maybe their fault maybe the guy put diesel in it and water in it or whatever or maybe it's the winter and it's iced up and you know there's 101 reasons as to why things break down but when we went out we were expected to get it working you couldn't get back to your boss and say I couldn't fix it you had to go you had to get it working so you went out and your, your van was just your, your van was laden with everything and you could we could if a bracket broke we could cut brackets out with the burning gear, file it down, shape it, drill it, put it in. And that's what we've done. And then if there was a special component needed, you'd maybe make a part that would make it work until you got the proper part, the specific part. Do you know yeah. what I mean? But you would make it work. Floating gear is a big thing in pumps. And there's always these fulcrum arms, they would break. And uh, the, the, a lot of the seals would break around the crankshafts and they would pack in and throw air. Uh, Self-priming pumps is where they'd prime themselves. And uh, you can only deliver when you're sucking water up out the ground. You can only push it up thirty feet. That's a, a max. It's just, it's just physics. So then you've got to have another pump in lane, or get there's other pumps we use for that. But when you're sucking from the ground up, it's a that's uh, one of the ones. So seeing your thought about that, Steve. But I remember, as I say, one of the first times we'd met, we'd spoken about it just before we came on, um, and I was telling Ken about this as well. So. Where we well, where I work and where you you uh, used to work, you were obviously the maintenance manager, um, and we had well, we have a pool in the in the facility, uh, in the facility. So it was a kind of I want to say a complex sort of, but it was a it was a very new way of dealing with pools because it used to be sand filters and this was the this was a perlite filter. And I remember we we you were doing a perlite change and you said Gavin, do you want to come round and see how it works and blah blah blah. And for a job that probably takes, what would you say, maybe an hour and a half? Yeah. This took about four hours because, like, this is what I really admire is because you take the time and you explain every single detail about where... You, you need to get people to understand why, not just how you do it, because if it's something breaks, you don't know how to fix it or you don't know how to deal with the problem. Um, but I remember you saying, like, obviously, when I walk into this plant room, and a plant room isn't for anybody that's listening, it's no a room full of plants. <laughs> it's... I'm so <laughs> dying for you to know to say that. Because I remember my, my first time I'd done, um, what was it mean? So when I was at college, you'd done your like, work experience in a sense. Yeah. And I went in and they're like, I in a plant room, this is where all the, the valves and where the pumps are like that. A room full of plants and like, how does that make a pool work <laughs> and eventually after an hour I, I kind of thought I need to ask man like, I was in my 20s so I had a bit of confidence about myself and I went what's in a plant room and I'm going to show you and I went in and I thought 
I'm not telling anybody that I thought this was a room. <laughs> but the thing is, there, there is nothing specific. I mean, a plant room is a plant room where you different types of plant. I mean, if you look at the main plant room and say the village hotel, I mean, that just, that would scare most people walking in. They see all the BMS systems and they see all the electrical systems and they see all the hot water systems. And then, let's say the pool plant rooms, that's a, that's a different kind of plant room. But again, they've all got the same hazards. I think we were brought the guy that taught me, he's dead now, it was a guy called Davy Sharp. And Davy Sharp always wore a white coat and it only stayed clean for about two hours and then it'd be black, right? Yeah. And he used to make us pressure wash every engine down as it came in before you took it off. And when you stripped it down and you took the pistons out and the cone rods out, you had to mark them with teeth and go, that's piston number one, taking cone rod number one and cone rod number two and, and mark it. And then we had to put blue paper out and polish it all. I've never been polished. It was sat there. I've had to be glistening when you stripped it down. Then he taught us how to measure the piston rings, how to measure the crankshafts and using micrometers and, and all these kind of things. And, and he was very specific because we had to do these things on site. I mean, you go and if you want to fix a caterpillar on site, for instance, that's massive work and you're doing it on site, you might not be able to get into work, so if it's broke down where it is, it's too heavy, it's too big, it's got so many, and it's an easy enough job to do if you can just get the kit. So you learn to be absolutely methodical when it comes to keeping things clean and just, you know, going through it. But I've done things. I mean, I remember I was sent down on a course to work on a Conrod, which was a, it's a Condor, sorry, which was a big mobile ele elevating platform. It was one of the first elevating platforms in the country, and it was scary because we up the top it took you up like ninety feet, and it, it feels that like it's bouncing out of place. Oh. So we were going in a course for the next day, but the day before we were going in that, one of the trucks broke down, and the clutch had went. So they asked me would I do it? No bother, it's all the time. No bother, right in there, and. Uh, there's a name for me at that point, a guy called Ian Watt, Cran Guy, he's dead and all, but Ian Watt's a Cran Guy. And, uh, but anyway, they asked me if I'd work late, and I was going to do the next morning, so we were kind of rushing, so I was in there, and I'm getting the gearbox out, not just myself, you other guys, but I was kind of leading it, and they were taking the gearbox out, big, big HGV truck gearbox out down, changing the clutch, and then there's one wee bit, thing called a thrust bearing, right. and that's the bit when the pedagogy's doing it, push it against this, this bearing that turns against the clutch plate, and it can go in two ways. Well, one way, sorry. I put it in the wrong way. I put it in the wrong way. And it was only quite an inch. But you don't know. You put it in, and, you, and then you blow up, and that's it. Finished, I'm off. And the next day, guys came in. They couldn't get a gear. They couldn't get it to change gear. Couldn't do nothing. And Ian watched the phone. Yeah, big rat ass. Big Stevie rat ass. Right, and because he had to go and suck it all down again. Do you know what I mean? And I'm away in that course. So I've made mistakes. But I always say to people, see, we have to say, put your hand up. Just one job, Stevie. Just <laughs> put your hand up. I mean, I think fuck, you, you'll always get you'll always get picked on for any job you get wrong. Do you know what I mean? But like we said, we came on to this podcast. Gav lets me press record. He's got one job. <laughs> Don't try to call me. You shut up. <laughs> no, I'll get done, mate. Stevie, my grand job. <laughs> Stevie, what, what? That's what I was getting at. See, with the whole plant room thing, is like, I think. All your experiences have, have maybe developed your way of teaching to people. Like, mm -hmm. if I, when I walked into that plant room that time, I remember walking, I yeah. dealt with plant rooms previously, but yeah. never to that extent. I just went in, I knew how to do a backwash, yeah. I knew how to fucking test the pool and whatever. But mm -hmm. I remember coming in and you saying, like, where do you think 
you would explain something and then you would maybe re- repeat it back to you. Where do you think, though the water comes in here, where does it go now? Do you know what I mean? And I, I, like, it's the best way to try and just see if you can get your head around it. You've no fear because yeah. there's nothing worse than walking into something when you've no idea what the fuck is going on. That, that's, that's, <laughs> that's always what, well, but that, what worried me was everybody wants to do well. Nobody wants to get a mistake. So, yeah. but the problem is it's when panic sets in. It's when it suddenly goes wrong and it has to be done with right away and if you end up running about you, quick, 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 quick. And then it's hard to think logically and methodically and it's too easy to jump right in there and then do something accidentally, not deliberately, just accidentally. Yeah. But it's too risky because you're in there, there's chlorine, there's all sorts going on, uh, you've got three-phase electricity, you've got water, I mean, zzz, you know what I mean? You, you can die quite easily, you know what I mean? Uh, so you've, you've really got to be very, very careful. And and through our years, well, I've, we worked, been, me and McHugh, we learned how to weld, gas weld, MIG weld, I mean, we learned, we learned everything, we couldn't. And then obviously I moved on, so I went to another company called Higher Foulis, then from Higher Foulis, uh, went to SGB Powered Access, uh, and just through different companies, and you just, all these different skill sets come together. See, we started, the earth movers had big, big levers, and you, you sat there, it was called a draw, and the earth movers doing building them eight, a big diesel engine, that's what it was, a big diesel engine, big bucket in the front, a massive gearbox, and it just roared its head off. And you pull the levers like a tank and it would turn down. <laughs> well, in my time, that changed to a proportional control, almost like a controller for your PlayStation. I mean, it's just Only? a wee... So, so what happened is we got rid of these big levers and pulling on them and shoving them. You wouldn't argue with a machine operator back in the day. He had muscles like yawn because he was pulling these things away. I mean, <laughs> what the fuck it's doing. You would never argue with them. They're always big bears. A lot of them. Gavin. Like <laughs> <laughs> so, so, but then it became proportional controls. So what happens is that wee control, if you moved it that wee bit that way, then it would send a signal, a two or three volts, a solenoid, solenoid opens up, let soil get through. And everyone's all computer controlled now. So, we had to learn all that. It was all in house. So, you're getting taught all this in house. So, you started off doing mechanicals. We started doing, we were doing mechanical pumps. Then we were doing some national pumps. Then we had to do single phase pumps, three phase pumps. So then you had to do all the electrical stuff. I mean, it wasn't planned. It, it wasn't in my head. I thought one day I'm going to engineer, I'm going to learn all this. You just, you <laughs> um, fail in. You just, you and, like and then you, it you got to a point where I knew that much. And plus, my uncle, my uncle Jim, the other side, my mother's family, but all Polish are all TV engineers, right? Half and half. And Jim used to teach me, he used to take me out as a wee boy fixing TVs. Right when it was old valves and that, so I was I, my head was already in the kind of places, you know, and uh, and I think you know what what once I got when I got to about thirty three, I got to a point where I knew enough about everything and I had all the qualifications, but I didn't have enough I've got an academic qualification for the mechatronic part because everything was in house, the stuff you're taught in house wasn't really recognised academically outside. Do you know what I mean? So you, you knew how to do that machine, but you weren't really allowed to touch anything else. So I went and did the mechatronics course and I was 33, and I was shitting myself because it was one of the first mechatronic courses out. And I thought, oh man, I'm, I'm going to be a mistake. And then I got this book and it was full of logarithms, it was full of algebra, and my head was spinning. And no, that way, I would do it and get the answer right. Then you do it again, you answer wrong, and then you do it again. Now, before you know it, you're like, fuck, I don't know where I'm going. <laughs> so I went to this old teacher, I looked up for this old I wasn't looking for this particular teacher, but I came across this teacher, and she was like 72, and she taught maths. 
and I went in and I showed her the book. I said, this is the book I need to, need to study. I need to be able to do it with confidence. Honestly, it was the best money I ever spent in my life. I came out of that. But see, when I, because there was young people who ever come out as well. People at 24, 25 doing these courses. But the difference was, when I was on this course, I was questioning the, 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 the what do you call them? The, the lecture yeah. all the time. I was saying, no, I wouldn't do that. I would do with this. And, it, and we got a good report going because oh, I see you. But I wouldn't do that, do less. And go, because I thought that experience. But the, <laughs> young guys can, the ones that were there, can you get it? How do you know that? I don't know. I really don't. That's just things that I've learned through the years. I, but I wanted to pass this. And, uh, and, that, and, and that teacher, that was how it got me past it. Because she just, it, it became easy for me just to do it. And yet, I was trying to think back now, I couldn't remember half of it. But I don't need to. Because, because if it came up, you would it would come back to you. Do you well, know what I mean? Nah, well, what happens is probably, now, now you've got books. Now, now you've got hundreds of books. I've got every type of book in the sun. I saw technical books I buy, and it's like very reckoners. So I pick, if I want to do a, if I want to do an estimate, be it size, circumference, anything, plumbing, electrical, I take this book out, look up the equation. It tells you, it reminds you how to do it, and then it, it gives you a few examples. Now, before you know it, you remember how to do it, you just right. remember how to do it. Yeah, yeah. You don't need to remember it all, but it's there now. You can actually do it online now, mate. It's, I know. That's I know. the difference. You Kenny, we, we, you were going to say something there, Kenny? I could see you. Sorry, I Kenny. Actually, say something. You remember what it was? He's that mm. quiet spoke, isn't he? He's dead quiet on here. <laughs> I, I don't much. Oh, oh, I'm, in it. I'm just a pretty face, Norris. I was going to kisses, but people were watching so, <laughs> so see before you were the with the village. What were you doing before the village? How did you end up there? Uh, I was with the uh, Somerset Hotels. See just before that, uh, Steve, was that was that the holiday in? You were you were the holiday the holiday in, the holiday expenses. Aye, aye. Holiday from Hilton. Uh, oh, so, so you worked for so that that company overseen was it the kind of maintenance side of the holiday? Oh, Somerset Capital owned Somerset Hotels. Right, okay. And then the regional managers. Now what happened at two thousand seven downturn? Uh, they started restructuring. And then we all ended up in bigger areas. I mean, I used to just do Scotland, then end up doing Scotland, and then as far down as London and things. You know what I mean? And uh, Liverpool. Am I right in saying, Steve? You had. 29 hotels? Well, amongst shared amongst us all, won the Holiday Inns, uh -huh. you know what I mean? So, uh, sorry, Holiday Inn Expresses. But then they started building, they, they bought into doing Hilton's, the Hampton right. Hilton's. Right, okay. Do you know what I mean? So, uh, but I, I love doing the Scottish thing because it was great, the Scottish thing. Uh, the ba the banners are better, isn't it? No, I'm not, I'm not. <laughs> it's, it's just that, you, honestly, I would, we used to use a company, for instance, say, Seddon's the Painters down south. And they were a big national company. And you'd go way down, you'd fly down to London. So we'd a hotel in Luton, fly down to Luton. And then I'd maybe go to uh, Hamilton Hempstead, a hotel out there. And then you'd have this meeting with these guys, say, what are we going to do? Just a pre-start meeting, they were going to do this, we're going to do that, paint this, paint that. And this room will be a benchmark room. So you get in here, get this room done, and then we'll come back, we'll inspect it, we'll agree what's not right, what is right, we'll sort it. And then once we benchmark it, and we know it's perfect, we'll do other rooms to this standard. And then you come away up the road. So you jump on a plane, you're back up the road. You got there, might start the next day, I phone call, I'm not here. And you got to fly down again. I mean, it was horrendous sometimes, do you know what I mean? Uh, but no, but no, it was a great experience. There were a great bunch of people, do you know what I mean? There were a great bunch of people. It's been taken over, it's been taken over, but it's not, it's not, no longer Somerset. 
Somerson used to be involved in the Merchant Navy, they sold all the Merchant Navy stuff off and bought, bought into property and development and things, you know what I mean? Right. They're a good bunch of people, you know what I mean? So just, just, just because you're so Scottish, Scotland are drawn one each way, Israel they're now. Oh, is it one each, is it? Uh, I actually forgot they were playing, to be honest. Uh, oh, I didn't, I didn't, because I'm a Scottish <laughs> man. Um, they're playing a they're playing an absolute sterling three four three. Um, Good to know. At <laughs> the forty fifth minute, we have penalty, <laughs> and just conceding the seventy third minute, which is absolutely fantastic. Yeah. Steve, your your name, Stephen Hodge, uh-huh. is hot. Is, uh, you strike me like you're the type of person who would know family history. history. Aye. Uh, Hodge. Viking name. Which was it? Viking. Viking, Viking. Right, okay. uh, Greek. Uh, I used to run through the villages and grab all your fancy women and throw them in my shoes <laughs> back in the day. When I was a good looking guy. In the hotel. <laughs> I, I used to run after them and run towards me because I was good looking. But now they run away from me, you know. But I know the whole thing back to the Vikings. It's, it, it's strange. I stopped. I've researched that. I mean, I've, I've, I've always kept videos. I've always filmed everybody growing up and, you know. My father, my father had Parkinson's. I mean, for instance, my father got Parkinson's. And uh, and I remember all the family saying, his brothers and his sister going, oh, that's terrible, Gus got Parkinson's. And my father, who was a fit man, who always used his hands. But even when he had Parkinson's, he could walk. You couldn't keep up with him. He, oh, really? he took him out for a walk. He was away. You know, you were always worried he would trip. You could, honestly, when a breath came up with him, he just wanted, he just, he wasn't, he didn't like, he didn't give any Parkinson's. He fought it for years. But as a time, Get near anyway. It, all the family were, you know, that's a shame. You know, and his younger brother Billy, well, that's a shame. You know, Gus is going to die, and 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 his sister, that's Gus going to die. They all died first. They all died. They all died before my dad. Billy got murdered. Walking up for a wee house party. He was coming up for, he was coming up for uh, Street in Chelsea. He'd left Uncle George. They'd had a wee party. He was coming to the road, and there was a boy out that day. It was from a family of Mormons, never been in trouble in his life. He'd been out all week telling his pals he was going to stab somebody. We, didn't, we found this out in the court, we didn't know this at the time. And he was telling everybody he was going to stab somebody. So he'd been out that night, he'd bought this knife off that guy in a girl's seat. Do you know the boy I'm talking about? The place in a girl's seat, I forget the name. Oh, it's a knife shop? Ah, they sell knives. And for person supposed to be, he's been told to stop it, but he sells them willy nilly. Oh, uh, but anyway, so, sorry. They sell yeah. everything in that. I, I can't remember his name. I can't remember his name. I've tried to shut him down. See, it's not illegal yeah. to sell them. It's illegal to use them. You know, that's it. But anyway, so he bought this knife. He'd been thrown out the dancing for causing trouble. And then he, he, the bus, he was on a bus and the police the police were called to the bus because he was causing trouble and he was shoved totally off the bus and walked home. Not once was he searched threatened and he had this knife on him. And then what happened is, as you walk up steps hill towards... Uh, Craig, Craig End, it, it's, it's quite a big steep hill. So my uncle Bill, he liked to walk. They, they were all fit. They all liked to walk. You know? So he's walking, and that, I think he was fifty-five at the time. And he's walking up the road. He's all cheery, singing, because they're always singing in it. Just themselves. He was just a cheery, cheery. And uh, that boy was going down the hill. <laughs> and as he came down the hill, he pat, Billy had a big crombie coat. My dad, and I, they all wore crombie coats. Always like always dressed smart. The old school, yeah. was it called? I'm dying. Dressed smart. Well. Billy always wore a three piece suit. He was always dead smart. And uh, but anyway, as the guy walked by him, he turned round and then started stabbing Billy. A taxi driver seen this, and the taxi driver drove across the road, 
and then he attacked the taxi driver. And then the taxi driver drove away because he could, you know, they, they could find the boy off. Billy's collapsed. They don't know he's dying, but he's dying. And then this boy ran across the fields. But it turns out it's a whole family of Mormons. And, and he'd never been in trouble in his life. He just decided so to kill somebody. So when it went to court and all this came out in court, it, it, was, it was all dressed, it was all nice. Yes, I believe in God. It was doing all the God stuff and all the rest of it. Blah, blah. And I don't know what And then he was found guilty because it was, he'd right. been locked away for life. As Madison said, it's longer than life, right? And uh, but somebody's found guilty, he went, he went mental. He went to hurt him. His, his real self came out. Uh, of course, I. It's just a thing. Kill you. Right, but Billy died. And, and then two weeks later, my son died of a heart attack. Oh, for fuck's so, sake. It was just one, it was just one wee tragedy after another, and I right. was just trying to get through all that. So we got through it, you know, and it's it's the lessons of life, and you, and, you know, but that's when you find your friends. At that time, we were doing lots of work with Starkis and Hilton, we'd stewards and all the places, but this is before I actually started, well, I'd, I'd one be business, and there was so many all the stewards working for them with DJs and places for installing equipment, and all the taxi drivers all come up, Stevie. Just phone it. Any of your family, your taxi, just phone. It's no charge. So everybody was there. It was all, all happening. And they got lots of support. Do you know what I mean? Steve, they, that, that's that's one thing that is probably you'd be glad it's came into play. See, with the whole kind of stop and search and stuff like that. But you're saying never once get searched, chucking at a club or getting stopped by police. And a lot of people are against it for whatever reason. But like, why? Why? You know, like if you if some if the police want to stop somebody for whatever reason. Although the the reasons might be wrong wrong sometimes, but oftentimes they're proven right because somebody might have a fucking uh, knife on them for whatever reason. Just... Uh, well, I think I think people. It's how it's managed, you know. There's 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 a good side to it and a bad side to it. Yeah, see, if you're good and bad in every profession, that's a problem. If you're good and bad in every profession, you'd be good polis and bad polis. Good doctors, bad doctors. Good mechanics, bad mechanics. You know. Bad Stevie's good Stevie's. You know what I mean? Uh, <laughs> you know what I mean? You're a good, you're a good Stevie. No, so no, so. no, I've made mistakes. I know. I mean, I mean, that part of reason we get out of that. We, 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 we also, master, I, I was very strict. We are stewards. We are stewards. It was all about being a host. People call stewards bouncers, and I hated that name, you know. And I don't like the word hate. But I don't like that name, bouncers. Uh, so there was, and there was all hotels. Yeah. Can he have both? <laughs> I know that's what I'm saying, so I'm not going to say it. I'm going to pull back from that. But what I'm saying is, we, the guys were all about being hosts. So when a guy came up, we taught all our guys, when somebody came to the door, introduce yourself. Don't just walk by. Don't let everybody walk by you. Introduce, put your hand out. Because he was a bad guy. They panic every bingo. Oh, does he know? Bad guy. You know what I mean? So you so go, how you doing? Please meet me. I'm Steve. What's your name? They go, what you my name for? <laughs> so for instance, the Cellar Bar, one of our most famous places in the town. Welcome to Celebrate, how are you doing? Right, no drugs in here, none of this and that. We're not for drugs, you come and tell me, don't want any drugs. On the dance floor, no drinks, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Right? And, you stop, and then you get to look at the camera and take one picture. Right? And everybody used to laugh at me, why did you do that? I said, trust me, one picture. Don't need, everybody knows, as you come in, they've been pictured. Right? There's a, uh, I've got a photograph, everybody. So they come in, look up, smash, camera, picture, done. And then we count them. So we count the guys, we count the girls. And you never let more than 50% guys in, never, because it gets grumpy, it gets growly, they start arguing about football. Girls go in, they just want to dance, and the guys like to look at them dancing, but if you put too many guys in, it gets growly and they can get a bit. So, 
I was all for just let's have the atmosphere and it'll bring in the crowds. So be strict, you know, so if it's a big, I mean, a lot of people didn't like it. I mean, sometimes you'd have a big uh, stag party coming in and you stand at the door and whoop, I just stopped the first guy. Sorry guys, for the night. 15 guys, you know what I mean? Uh, right now I've got 200 girls. You have spoiled so many stag dudes I've been on, Stevie. <laughs> <laughs> the amount of stag dudes. And what is the script? Like, how yeah. do you get run that? This no, is, this will it. make us go viral. Well, that's right, but you just, what I'm saying is, it's just, but it worked for us. That was one of the safest venues in the town. I had one of the best working relationships with the licensed place that I've ever had. It was see the thing? And what you find is, see all your punters, see all your punters, see when you did get trouble, they were on your side. See when they come in and start getting any trouble. The DJ, because we had the DJs as well, the DJ knew to put on the lights. So they'd put on the lights straight away. Everybody stood back. The stewards had their positions. There was always, you always have stewards doing the sweeps. So the way you would work it is, you'd, have, you'd always have a steward at a fire door, right? Fire doors in the entrance. It's, it's strategic points, but you always had one good round doing a sweep. So say it was you and me, we're standing at the, the, the bottom door. I said, hey, you do the sweep. So the idea of doing a sweep is, you see guys chatting away, and it looks a bit aggressive. So you don't walk up and go, right guys, that's enough. Right, because that just, what you do is you go up and you just pick the glasses up and go, oh, no, right guys. Right, it's a kind of psychological break. So you yeah. run in there, and you watch you, I watch you going up there, putting up the glasses. I went, all right, guys. Because what you're doing is you're taking away the weapons. It's the first weapon I'm going to use. You're putting up the empty mm. glasses. And you turn back to the bar, and then you continue with your sweep. And you're watched by me and the other guys on the doors. And then when you do your sweep, you come back to me, then I do a sweep. And you just do it continually. Right? Right. And you keep your presence there all the time. That's good steering. It's very, it's very methodical, isn't it? Like what you're, what you're doing, you're, you're, aye, it's got to be. Not See, when too many stewards go in, and lasses, I had some ugly stewards, and the lasses were too many for these ugly stewards. I'm talking about real ugly stewards. I had really <laughs> ugly, ugly stewards, <laughs> ugly people. And you ought to see the girls they were pulling every night. It was, you'd look at it and go, oh, right, yeah. I can't believe it. Just, I mean, all because of our stewards wearing that suit. It was crazy. Do you know what I mean? But so where 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 did you do that? Where was that? The uh, cellar bar. Well, we done we done loads of places, cellar but the cellar bar was one of our main places. Where, was that. Where's that? Uh, Miller Street. But it's not there now. It's away now. It's going. Street, it used to be a Stagus Hotel. It used to be called Ingram Hotel. And Thomas came up this yeah. idea. Who was the general manager? Who became an area manager and then became an area manager for Intercornell. Nice guy. And. Uh, and he came up with this idea and he just tamped task because we'd be do it and then it just one thing, it just grew him in legs, you know. I mean, I was putting out discos at £160 a night way back 1992 and I was putting out 15, 15, 20 discos a night. Yeah. So I'm going to have peace here because Gav's got a list of questions. So you were a DJ? Well, I've been a DJ, I know. Eh? I've done that, I've always that. done that. Yeah? How do you find that? What's, what's the... How did they get in here? Well, that's a long story. That's a <laughs> long story. Uh, when you're young, you've got all these ambitions. And I'm, I'm not going to associate myself with Jimmy Savo, but uh, I bet it was down to Jimmy Savo. Do not. <laughs> Do not associate yourself with Jimmy Savo. <laughs> right. no, his mother said, no. his I, know, mother I know what you mean. And he was doing one of the charity walks. And one of the DJs there, Dougal, had a DJ. He, he'd done all the local discos in the, the Orange Halls, the Rangers Club, the Celtic Club, the bowling clubs. And it's out in the sticks. These discos used to be empty. All you heard was noises in the bushes. 
<laughs> all these things. <laughs> <laughs> you know, where did everybody go? They've all disappeared into all these bushes and there's no lights or no nothing. You know, and that? who touched my bum there? You know what I mean? So it was dodgy stuff. So he was he was like a DJ and then I don't know, he just took a real like to me. I was hanging one of the boys that worked with me when I was recruiting, uh John John Snedden. He said, do you, you like, you, you're good at all that, you like to do that? So I said, oh, you know, Dougal's looking for somebody. So I went to do what, but then what happened is, through that walk, he ended up on top of the pops with Jimmy Savile, and then he ended up working for Ada Luxembourg. And then Dougal said, you might take over my run. So he gave me some of his run. Then before I knew it, I was doing discos. And it was just another earner. I was running about taxis, and I was paying taxis go here and there. Just, uh, it was just... Wow. You were collecting all the door money, do you know what I mean? You were collecting all the door, that's why you make some money, and then you paid people after door money. You hired the holes and paid them and done what you did, do you know what I mean? But it was mad, I mean, it was mad. I mean, I thought I wanted to get into it all, but it was kind of mad. <laughs> yeah. well, no, but you should get into it all, so... <laughs> I mean, see, back in the day... Did you know what you were doing, or did you... Is it the classic cold DJ, like, the mist and the magic? Oh, I see, we have been telling us the guys come... And you just press play... No, no. That's, that's, I see this oh. thing about press play, it was, it was never like that. Back in the day, for instance, one, it was old 45s, and you were carrying boxes of 45s. Big, big right? It was heavy stuff, it was real work. The speakers, the speakers I had were called Sound City speakers, and they were that, I mean, they're, they're taller than me, and three times my fucking weight. Do you know what I mean? You needed a transit to move that stuff, and it was torture. <laughs> right? But the thing is, even back in the day, there was not a lot of record labels per se. So, for instance, you had the Bell record label, so you'd set your records up under the label, not your artist, the label, because you knew what artist was on each label. So the Bell label had oh, the bass yeah. city rollers, had, had the Shawadi Wadi, Shawadi Wadi. So all that was in the Bell label, then the RCA, the Elvis, and all that. so you, you knew, you'd set them up with your, your labels and you took them out of the label, and that's how you played your records. And, and then you get to read crowds. I mean, I mean, people think a DJ job's easy, it's not. I mean, we, 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 we were getting hired at one point by Radio Cloud to go, and we used to we used to get crowds up and ready to take on Chris McClure, you no know, Christian. We used to have them, I met Christian a couple of weeks ago, we used to work together on clouds years ago, and uh, we'd, we'd, done a, we'd done a film thing from there, it's been, it's been amazing, it's got me some views, it's unbelievable. But, but uh, so with Chris, Christian, uh, we've had, we used to do all the white, all the, the warm-ups for Tiger Tim, yeah, even George Brown. Oh, Jesus Christ. Aye. I mean, honestly, but you've, I've obviously tell you half the stuff you've done, you wouldn't believe it. But it was, but it was good money. But it, we were doing the whole thing, though. We were doing, we were doing installs, repairs, the electrical systems, stuff like that. We were doing, you know, hiring out stewards and doing... Christmas was always your busiest time. And, and see, you learn to be really hard to see DJs, see when they get money and they're surrounded by women. So, for instance, you get into the first week of Christmas, right, which starts on your Friday, right the way through, and then by the time it's halfway through, they're, they're doing three shifts a day, do you know what I mean? They're doing a 12 o'clock lunch to maybe 2 o'clock, and then they're doing one for maybe you know, 4 o'clock to 6, then they're doing the night one that goes for half 7 to 1 o'clock in the morning. And so they're all loaded, they're all getting this money. And then it comes to Christmas Eve, and it's like, I can't come in tonight. No, you need to come in tonight. <laughs> no, I can't, I'm not well. And you find out who's there. So I wouldn't pay them. They just get paid to break. I don't know what they do. They want me. I had stewards want to hit me and punch me, and I had to sit down and say, "Well, have a go," you know. But I had to be dead firm and say, "No, that's your wages, and I'll pay your bonus plus your overtime in January." And that's the only way you could guarantee people would turn up. It's cruel. 
And I smart think though. Wives, their wives would come in and shout at me. Stewards, stewards would go off the girls, right? They'd go off the girls on the night and disappear. And then tell their wives that they'd been working. Then, oh, when they handed in their raised packet, the wife would say, I thought you were working in it. Where's the money? Oh, he's not paid me. The wife would come in and see me and go, how did he not get paid? I'd go, he wasn't working. He said he was working. I said, no, he wasn't working. So honestly, oh, I've seen it all. I've seen it all. You know? So, Steve, Steve, one thing you mentioned there, um, you mentioned playing Elvis Presley oh, records. Oh, now, I've done Elvis. I used to do you, Elvis. You were an Elvis impersonator, weren't you? Uh, when uh, you were young. I still got it. I used to dye the hair black and I had the white suits and all that. And, uh, Wait, was, how, how, did, how did you start getting into that? Was that just a kind of... You, 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 me, 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 and a, me and a friend, Colin White, uh, Colin played the guitar, and right. we used to go to a wee pub called the Malls Burn Inn, towards Cumbernauld, and it's a wee lounge, and Colin would come in with his guitar and just start strumming, and then he gave me a guitar, and we'd just start strumming, and then we'd just start singing, and I'd be like, we're quite like, because we would get, we were talkers, we know what we're like, we're talk, so we, we made friends easy, so we would get, we used to have a song, and we would sing along, so people would end up with singing, and we all came for a family of singers who liked to sing, so we knew all the old songs as well, you know, the heart of my heart, I love that melody, you know, and you tip up, and it was old folk about these pubs, and they all loved it, so we ended up doing all that, and then before you know it, you're just kind of, for that, that's your routine. You wouldn't have paid a lot of money. I mean, as a five piece band, you're getting 120 quid. It wasn't a lot of money. Sometimes 150 quid if you were lucky. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? But I had to go five ways. But what people didn't see was the rehearsing was into it. And they didn't yeah. see set up before it and then they sat and doing it back after it. They just think you paid that money for four hours. Yeah, but sometimes you were getting 30 quid. I uh-huh. money back in the day. Do you know what I mean? But it was a good experience. And that, to be honest, being involved in hospitality and entertainment is one of the best ways to get to know people. And once right. you know people, I think you're kind of knocked off. If you're not, if you're willing to learn the lessons, and you know, because like I say, I'm no perfect friend for else. I've, I've made the same mistakes as everybody else. I've done some daft things. I mean, I, I, let, let's give you a daft story. Yes. I, my first daft story was when I was 14. Yes. Right? And this staff story. This isn't going to be that daft. <laughs> oh, it should have got me to jail. And but see now, it would have got me to jail. Right? right go for it. I was 14. My father had a Ford Zodiac. Right? And if you look it up, Ford Zodiac, it was a limo of its day. It was a beast of a motor, all leather seats, wooden fast. It was just lovely. Right? Big long motor, big long nose front, fully automatic. And, uh, but my dad wasn't driving it. What had happened is my, my father had a car before that and we used to call it Black Bessie and it did indicate as it popped out to the side. You know, they, 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 <laughs> an old Elliot Ness car. And, it came, and he was driving it down towards Cardown Drive. He came towards the shops, meant to turn left and it didn't go left. It went straight ahead, straight through the lights and re into the lights, demolished the place. <sighs> the steam really came off his hand, basically. Right? So that, <laughs> that's it. I'm not driving again. I've got this driving. I'm not interested. But we still needed a car. And they were really busy, they were doing these, did these big jobs and shells and big dye works and no decorating work and working at heights and stuff. I'll tell you more about that in a minute. But, but anyway, so he had this big car. And I'd watch my Uncle George would come and drive him back and forth. So he would, my dad owned the car, but George would drive the car. Right? Is this, is this and sometimes the car here, is this, is this what we're looking at? Where is it? That's it, that's it. I mean, look at the size of it, right? Aye, big, big, long car. I mean, it, theirs was right silver and all leather and all, it was a bee's knees. You know? Oh, Gab, you shouldn't be sharing my screen. <laughs> <laughs> or Zodiac. Oh, yeah. Zodiac. 
Oh, you've, you've really put your Jamie off here. Look at you go, man. I agree. I agree. Agree, everything. Agree, agree. Is this the one? No. No, no, it's a more the big square one. Maybe get down a bit. Down, down. Zodiac. Aye, it's it's more like this. uh, Some point away here. It's more the modern, the more square, boxy looking one. More like that, but not. It's even more modern than that. Gav. I've said that's more like it. Right, there we go. You're panicking here. You're panicking here. <laughs> but, aye, so, but it was fully, I mean, it was everything, right? And I'd watched, I'd watched them all driving it. I used to sit, because they'd throw me, let's say, my Uncle George and my dad, they liked a wee drink, and they used to drink the Kirkhouse and Shelton, and they were loved in the Kirkhouse, because they always told jokes, and they would, they would do all sorts of tricks, and, right, guys, come on, do another trick, do another trick. I loved it. I was dead proud of my dad. Oh, yes, my oh. dad's dead. And they'd play darts and you'd, you'd win darts and it was all for pints. So it was never money. Never money. It was just bad for a pint. And they would take me in and the barman would give me sweets out and I'm, I'm meant to be there to stop my dad getting a pub. Do you know what I mean? Oh, so, right. you, you, <laughs> you take Stephen away the day, Angus, you know, and yeah. then that way I'll be home. But my dad, they would stop <laughs> off. And sometimes like, so when I was younger, they'd sit me in the car, get me a packet of crisps and fill my water pistol up and leave me in the car. I mean, you deal for me, but back in the day, Nobody bothered it, they were safe as houses. But anyway, so you had this big car, it was out the front, and I'm 14, so now I'm not, my hormones are starting to go, you know, that way you kind of look at women. <laughs> oh, so, yeah. Anyway, so my hormones were going, but nothing to do with that. And this was all, listen, I just offered to clean the car. I remember, can I clean the car? Because right, I wanted to get in there, I liked sitting in it, I just loved sitting in the wheel. Because you used to drive it down to Wims Bay with me sitting in his knee. Do you know what I mean? Right. Uh, aye, 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 aye. done back in the day, didn't they? You didn't want to the place, it was a thing, you know, there, and you sit there, and they were fine, and you're in the front, you're in, you know, you get in jail for it now. But anyway, uh, so to cut a long story short, and then ask for the keys, you know, so not, not, not just to open it, but so I could listen to the radio. So I got the keys to listen to the radio, you know where this is going, don't you? Uh, I don't know. I'm listening to the radio, I'm polishing it. Anyway, I'm, I'm, I'm doing all right, my dad goes away off the wee club across the road, we've got the pro cool halls, so we cross there, they play pool, Saturday he wants to chill, he's away to have a game of pool, a wee pint, my mother, she's away to Parkhead, she does a show with Parkhead, she's away with the lasses, all tailed with her wee chains, ripped away, I mean, when we're going shopping, so it's just me, and I've got a car and I'm cleaning away, then one of my mates comes down, uh, Roy Guy, he's dead annoyed, he was a post office guy and he fell out, over the Kingston Bridge, he fell out the door and fell out the kind of but, but anyway, come on, so, so I, I, I'm cleaning the car. He's like, What are you doing, Oji? I'm cleaning some car, isn't it? He's like, I did proud that. Dad's maybe I'll get it one day, you know. I'll go, I'll go for a run in it. I said, no, no chance. When you dash, I would need that. I was fear, you know what I mean? And then another mate comes in, Gordon Smith. What are you doing, Oji? And next time, there's a crowd out in the motor. I'm going, Come on, just bend it straight. Come on, don't be a ball on it. And then, this is what I mean with the hormones, right? That's all Askington. Lassie McNally. Gorgeous. Oh, oh Stevie, take it. I felt it. I went, I went, I went, I Everybody car, gets the back car. of the car. Right? All the windows are clean. Now, we're in a crescent. So, all my neighbours are seeing this. Right? I'm just oblivious. They're all seeing this. They're going, what's he up to? What's he doing? You know, he, 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 I know that as soon as I move that car five inches, my dad, but there's no mobile phones them days, remember? Do you know what I mean? Aye, so, uh-huh. but my dad's going to know somebody's going to hit a clumsy gut, he's away with that, you know, or somebody's going to come out and stop me. But anyway, so I started it, oh, nice yeah. and quiet, into D1, and it just away it went. 
and I, you go up and they come to a corner. Now, you turn left at this corner, there's only one way in, one way out. So <laughs> once you go through here, there's no way back by this way. But see, once I'm by the corner, I got to the corner, there was more of them there. And I went, one. So we're all part of the car. And away I went. I went. <laughs> but see, once I went, I was feeling come back. I was telling oh. at two in the morning because I knew I was going to get murdered. <laughs> I knew I was going to get, I knew my dad was going to lose it. You, you may as well make the most of it. Eh? You may no, as well make the most of it. Still, I just, <laughs> everywhere I went, I was thinking, and you think about it, so lucky. Do you know what I mean? Oh, 100%. No place, no none. And came back, and my dad sold the car the next day. Sold it. You lost it, but my dad, my dad wasn't a shooter. It's my, my dad's tone and knowing it was right made you cry. I mean, it, it, my dad, one of the tones, it was so authoritative that he brought it down. He just went, oh, I've let him doing, man. I've let my dad do it. Jesus. You just feel like shit. And, 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 but, but, you know, he'd done a lot of shooting when he was young. See, he would tell you what he'd done when he was young. So it, it kind of balanced it. It was like, you know, it was wrong to do. Uh, and then, I didn't learn my lesson for that. I made another stupid mistake. When I got to 16, I had a motorbike. I did the once on a motorbike, and I had a 50cc motorbike. Now, why did people go for 50cc motorbikes? It's because with the provisional, you could uh-huh. drive aye, it. That's right, that's right. Aye. You could drive it. You could go in a car and drive a car on your own, but you could go on a bike and drive it on your own. Then, then people wonder why, why we want to go and get cars. Do you know what I mean? Why, why we want to go on motorbikes? It was the only form of mobility you could buy and drive legally with a provisional. Do you know what I mean? Really? Mm-hmm. Uh, you can buy a three-wheeler, <laughs> and, you know, and buy that way. A big belly but, only. <laughs> but anyway, my sister kept saying, oh, take me for a wee backy. No, what? No, take me for a backy and a bite. No, 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 no. But she went on and on, and I went, right, all right. So it's the Cumberland Road. But all we had, I had my helmet, and I had a builder's helmet that my dad had. <laughs> so she had this big white builder's helmet on. And away we went. I was hard to bring the bother. And away we went. And uh, bottling it right enough, because like, ah, I shouldn't be doing this, but I've done it. And I'm on the motor, we're on the, the Cumberland Road, and coming up to your head, next one, rawr, rawr, oh, fuck. And they, the two of them in it, and they get tra- traffic police to, are you going? I'm going to be your head. He says, no, no, you're not. <laughs> 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 I says, uh, and, and who's this? And I, That's my brother, and he's taking me for a backy. All right. Uh, but, why are you wearing that hat? It's only a hat helmet. You call that a helmet? Uh, right, right. You in the car, so you could bath in the car. Right? And he got me to turn the bike around. And bear in mind, we're almost at your head. They said, you're shoving that home. And oh. I just, he, they, they followed me up that road slowly and made me shove that bike all the way up oh your head. Down, over the hill. Down. And by the time we got there, my dad was in. Now, I think I told you, my mother had a lot of family place. And my uncle Charlie was a sergeant at that time and shit wasn't, and that's where they were from. So, it all just fell out of place. They gave Aye. me a warning. By the time the face talked to my dad, my dad was everybody's friend, you know what I mean? It was like, they talked to my dad, my dad made them tea, and it was slapping their hand, and all that happened again. But if it happened now, he'd have a breakup, and then he'd oh, just, aye. you know what I mean? But back you, in the day, it was very much a kick in the arse, and don't do it again. It was that kind of police, which I, I much prefer, to be honest. I was going to say, it's just, I, it I wasn't badness that made me do it, it was stupidity. It was Aye. just stupidity. I mean, if you'd crashed into somebody, you could have killed somebody. I mean, there's a lot of things you can think about and think, oh man, if I'd done this, I could have killed my sister. I could, you know, do you know what I mean? No insurance, Aye. no nothing. Aye. But when you're young, you just, you're not really. Don't think, think about the, I, I just, the big I'm things. Choice, but I've done it. That's what I'm saying. So I've always forgave people for making mistakes because yeah. I'm not going to judge them. I've done it. Like, like you said, Steve, before we, we started recording, you, you said, uh, 
sentence. It was kind of like mistakes are. What was it you said? Mistakes aren't. Well, there should be mistakes. It should be classed as a lesson. Aye. Because uh, you, I mean, it'd be great if you start at life old. You were born old. And every time aye. you've learned all your lessons, you're young enough to enjoy it. But it doesn't aye, work in the movie. It works the other way. If you're going to make mistakes, you make them when you're young. And it, and it can happen you for the rest of your life. Yeah. I mean, because you can make the wrong mistake. You might even marry the wrong person or do the wrong this. Or you just yeah. don't know. And then your whole life is just trying to put it back together. Aye. There's too many of us are anxious to go on with our life. But anxious to just be a wee bit better and trying to achieve a lot. And sometimes in that rush, we just we make some bad choices. Not bad decisions. It's just a bad choice. Do you know it's just mean? life, aye. Kenny, the film you're thinking of is Benjamin Button. No, I know, I know, I know. I just waited for a moment. You've pure stole my. <laughs> I, I, I can't hear you. You're not going to turn your mic up. <laughs> I'll, up. I'll, I'll turn you down. I'll turn you down. I went, I went, I waited for my moment. Uh, the Curious Case of Benjamin Button. That is the, that's, that's the film. The movie. Right, Steve, there's two more things that we kind of want to talk about. Um, <laughs> one of them was uh, Scotty had told us a story. Um, and I hope I hope you can remember it and tell us a wee bit about it. So he thinks he's got the name right. Um, I think you worked as a, was a cherry picker or something like that, one of the sort of jobs. Ah, yeah, um, it was Perth Access. See, we Perth Access. We, we introduced Perth Access to the whole of Scotland. And, and right, right. It was mass climbers and cherry pickers and all sorts. And who, there was one boy, was it called Wee Scobie? Was that his name? Oh, Wee Scobie with the big Bobby. <laughs> Wee Scobie with the Bobby. <laughs> Uh, did he tell you that story? He told me the story. I've it's funny how he does it. He never forgets stories with bobbies. <laughs> <laughs> so if you're listening, I'm kind of worried. You never forget <laughs> these stories about bobbies. No, I'm getting worried. Right. Uh, so Steve, anyway, well, Kenny, I've not told Kenny. So no. what, what, is, what is the story? What well, my, story? my first experience of Scobie, Scobie was the height of four foot nothing. Right? He was born and bred in Govan. And a lovely guy, by the way. He had the long hair, Matt. He had the long hair. And he did blondie hair. Uh, and my first experience, we were doing the Perth Access. I'd left the higher foulest. Went with Andy Watts. Andy Watts, so he took brain tumours and all. He died and all. But Andy Watts asked me over to went to come and work with us. And I went to work with them. And So he worked with Scafter as well because they put up blue face protection. So we had to put up blue face protection in some buildings so they wouldn't, people wouldn't follow the edge when they're on the roof. And then they had the mass climbers and things. But anyway... My first experience at Scobie, he, he worked with the light access. And most scaffolders back in the day, and to be fair, I bought them just now, they like a wee drink, you know, Aye. because they're running the heights. <laughs> I bought them had the fear without a drink. They, they needed a drink, so they wouldn't have the fear. Because when you're up there, people forget this. When they're up there, they've not got any protection. They're, they're, they're building it for somebody else. Do you know what I mean? Uh-huh. And it's somebody else putting yeah. harnesses for this and harnesses for that. But sometimes, even the process of changing the harness, you can fall. I mean, I used to climb the mass back in the day with the harness because it was a three, all you had in your head is three points of contact, three points of contact, uh-huh. never have less than three points of contact and you were always going to be safe. But, mm-hmm. but anyway, this is, I met Scobie and we got into this truck and Scobie's sitting next to me. But, so it's one of the big long seats. So we get a driver and then this big long seat and three can sit in it. Right? But we're uh-huh. all big guys, so it's kind of tight. So I'm a time along the road and he goes, oh, and I had you met him. And he's in, he's in the middle. Right, I can't remember the boys now, but he's in the middle, and he, he goes, oh, I can't handle this. What is it? <sighs> this vibration. The like, truck? No, you have no idea what vibration does to me. So I'm not going to get into it. What is it? <laughs> what it was is the vibration. His penis would grow. 
Right, he's peering. And the stop. And because it was that big, he was sitting on it. So I mean, so he had to get it out. And you're like, no, wait a minute. And that thought he was kidding. He'd go in. Because I need to get it out. And everybody's laughing because they all know, but I don't. Right? And I took a beamer. I thought, no, no. I've seen some mobbies, but that's what I was at. This was a surprise that thought. This was scary, you know. If they hit you on the head with this, you were dead. Honestly. <laughs> Honest. And, and it's not that. He's, he is getting excited. Right? Because when he gets out, it just kind of springs out. But <laughs> it's a monster. It was a monster. <laughs> and they call that. Scooby, you've done in business. You should be in the movies. Or no, 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 no. It's just like, I need to let it out, but I can't do this. You know, you had to get it out all the time. He would, he would cover it with a towel or a paper. But if you think he was a, he thought he was pervy, but he wasn't pervy. Even, he just, he couldn't, even. he couldn't get it to stay down the vibration of the top. Say, so, Scooby. Even. Uh, that big? Yeah, well, I'm telling you. You only looked at it once. You, were, you, you, were, you, looked it, you looked at it and went, oh, I'm not looking at that again. That's, just, that's depressing. Do you know what I mean? But no, it was funny. Scooby, aye, Scooby. So, Steve, and, uh, Scott, Scott told me about one time, uh, I think he was... Is it big? Is it, is he, it this big? What? Bigger? Might be bigger, right? I don't know. But anyway... Steve, I just wanted to roll. <laughs> <laughs> Have you seen it? You'd run that way. Scott said um, there was I one did. time, one time when uh, I think he was getting a bit of a, maybe getting reprimanded, and he, he was about to get the the, the bullet. Aye, uh, exactly. About his wages. Aye, that's what it was. And he says to him, he says, and he, uh, I can't remember the whole discussion, but it went along the lines as he just took it, he slapped it, and he says, "If you beat that." You can sack me. And he just slapped it at the table. And, and oh Bill Ross, who's no longer with us either, he died. He died of lung cancer. I mean, none of the guys are left. I don't even know if Scobie's left. But uh, he just slapped it at the table. Just, <laughs> you can beat that. Sack me. And Bill <laughs> Ross gave me his weight size. Oh, wow, man. Right, fair, Kenny. Kenny, it's fair to say we're not getting weight rises away. <laughs> I, mean, I, mean, I don't know. But <laughs> <laughs> see, back um, in the day, anybody that worked in shipyards or worked in scaffold, it was a kind of man's world. You know what I mean? It was a lads. Nobody, a lads. I, it was all about it was just having a laugh, and that's what got you through it. Because these scaffolders weren't the, the, no, in the middle of winter. Your ones were freezing to the pipes. And, but I've seen, I mean, I've had some arguments. I mean, I, I've been in charge of scaffolders. And, Come to Guy Fox, he would put fireworks into the tubes and then fire them in trucks down on the waterway and they do some mad things with that thing. Take him, fire! Just, just before just, the poles. just before the last question, uh, I, I've got a few mates and family and stuff like that as well who've worked in sites. And Kerry, you've worked in sites as well. That, <clears throat> the, 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 you're never going to get that sort of camaraderie any other workplace, are you? It's just something different. It is, it is different, you know, it's different. And, and, and you meet every kind of character. But you meet the really good guys. I mean, you're, there's guys out there you think are as tough as nails and they're gentlemen. They're gentlemen. You know, and you come across, I, mean, I could tell you hundreds of thousands of stories, really, but I think by and large, you know, same we're coming near the last question, I think by and large, most people are genuine people. Most people just want a good life, you know. And, and we want to each other to try and guide each other along the way and if somebody comes off but my dad used to say the railway track of life if somebody goes that wrong direction try and shove them back on it rather than off it too many people try and shove people off the track you know and, and, and people should be better at listening because people aren't very good at listening 
if people were better at listening. It doesn't make us any better. People are not trying to be any better. We're just trying to be better than who we are. Do, do you know what I mean? So you, you just want to be a better person of you. You don't want to be better than anybody else. You just want to be a better person of ourselves. And if you can do that and make ourselves better, then that's good. Do you know what I mean? But uh, there's loads of guys out there that are really... Comics galore. I mean, you, you see the comics that are out there and the jokes. And we read guys that crack jokes every two minutes. You couldn't walk for laughing. Do you know what I mean? They just crack a joke. I can't tell a joke to save myself. But we had a Gary Whiteside. Gary done Gary done. He just made people laugh. He just said open his mouth and he laughed and he laughed. And he just looked forward to going to work because you were going to laugh. Do you know what I mean? Aye, aye. Anyway, so that's kind of I've got a story for you, Steve, but I'll. Right, what go for it. it. Just, just for me personally, what I'm saying. Um, I think you're right. I think that's what keeps everybody going. I feel like the camaraderie, the laughter. Because it's hard graft the, as well, the Kenny. The job itself is, is an absolute. For me personally, for every time, I've always been a labourer. There's, there's no skills for me at all. There is a skill to be a labourer as well. I mean, there is a skill to be a labourer. It's nice to see you say that. It's nice. No, but, no, but it's true. If you don't do your job. They'll be doing it for that kind of bricks. If you're, if you're feeding a team of brickies and you're not doing it, you'll soon know about it. Oh, I done. I did do that and, it, and I did. No, <laughs> <laughs> one of my, you'll soon know about it. So of, you soon learn to work as a team. It was two of my best mates who took me on as, as, as a brickies labourer and they're two exceptionally large, strong gentlemen. And huh? You need to learn quick. But there was this one boy who was a scaffolder and um, his missus had felt pregnant. And he, was just, he was just feeling... He was always a happy... Lucky guy, it's just that way you take to somebody and why was up with you? What's going on? And that way, there's that and I say attitude like, Fuck's sake, what's wrong? Is the missus kicked you? And oh, did you take did you rip the country out and that? And everybody's giving him a pure left hand. What's up with you? Like, my mate, my missus is full pregnant. Like, my god, like, mine's just pregnant too. And it was just that instant thing. Ah, it was just a connection. And I talked to him, we'd spoke about it, and he felt perked up again. and it just kind of rejuvenated them, and uh-huh. for that whole site attitude, be it being everybody just getting on tap, everybody and taking the bus. Okay, uh-huh. I've been everything's going okay, being positive and happy and having a joke's okay. But once one person gets a wee bit down, it can really fucking put them down, man. It can really just bury you. Then comes to the banter, and the banter turns brings them back up. Being uh-huh. And then one person having a bad day, the same banter right. can just bury that person who's having a bad day. Yeah. I just yeah. I that was that it pure took a dark turn there. I don't want it to do that. I just wanted to highlight it's, it's still important to talk about. I mean, it, uh, I mean life's yeah. full of dark turns for everybody. I mean, you, you can't uh, really judge anybody. People's get people have got challenges you would never know. I mean, I, I've been involved helping people in lots of different aspects of life. We can't always try to do a wee bit of something every year, not because we want to be smart asses, again, just want to be better people ourselves. Yeah. And, and and even now, some of the things I've learned that I thought I knew about, it's just, it's been real dark, dark corners, but you, you, I think it's just life, like, you know. See, I, I think it's good, I think it's good that men talk more now about things. I talk, when I mean, you know I talk about Carol all the time, and I know there's no, there's no Facebook in heaven, right? And that, some people have slagged me off for this. Oh, you're talking to your age. I mean, no, I know there's no Facebook happening. But when I talk, I'm posting on her page. I'm keeping my digital record. That's what I'm doing. Yeah. And I'm talking about this. I mean, I, I feel suicidal nearly every day. Right? But 
my, my conscience, my common sense tells me you can't do that. Yeah. Right? But it doesn't mean I don't get the feelings. So what happens is you talk about it. Because I'm hoping when I talk about it, people might see, you know what? I mean, I've had couples phoning me up. People have known for a long time. They've changed their lives because of some of the things I've said. Of course, I'm kidding, Stevie. They're right. We're spending too much time working. So we're doing less time working. We're going Because me and Carol plan so much. And it just changed like that. Yeah. Just, and for Carol, who, to be de- deprived of her old age when she was an orphan, and she fought through all the challenges, when I say fought, when she came through all the challenges of her life, being an orphan, losing her, her mother at 11 years of age, a father at 12 years of age, and managing it. I mean, if you're an orphan and you achieve something, you can't run home and say, Mum, look what I've got. Mum, look what I've done. Dad, look. Yeah. She had to learn to... See, Carol, Carol didn't like people cuddling her. When she done, people would go, well done, Carol. She, she couldn't because she'd learned not to have that cuddle. And it took a long time for Carol to get through all that. It was her instincts. Aye. I just think because it's a fear of losing. I mean, she'd done so much on her own without lots of... I mean, she could recognise them from other people she worked with. But your instinct, you want to tell your mum, you want to tell your dad. I mean, you've not got that. You learn just to pull back. So, Deal with it, aye. Aye, so, so what I'm saying is, you, you get through dark... I, 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 I get through dark because I just feel life is a bugger to have. It's terrible to have to Carol for the point of... By the way, it's terrible for any point of, I mean, I can talk from my experience with Carol. But she was mm-hmm. so deserving because, honestly, she was the kindest person you could ever have met in your life. And she made... If somebody laughed in the room, it was Carol's laugh you would hear because she just had one of their laughs. Infectious. She smiled and she sparkled. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, and I, I got up every day. I used to go up every day and put the coffee out and the tea. Now I make one cup of tea and I start crying because I'm not making a coffee and a tea. Uh-huh. I open the blinds uh-huh. in the conservatory and Carol used to open the blinds. Then I look out. Even when she was dying and she was strong enough, she was ironing all my clothes. And then she would hang them up. And I've not worn any of the clothes. I'm living downstairs. I'm living out of suitcases because I don't want to wear the clothes because Carol ironed them all and she's put them up there. And it's a strange time. I've even slept upstairs. I've slept on the couch ever since because I can't. I I only got upstairs, but my granddaughter Farron said to me, she lives here now, and she goes, Granddad, when are you having your monthly (laughs) shirt? And honestly, it's not that bad. What I do is when they go, I go upstairs and have a quick shirt, but I struggle because when Carol is really poor, I'd help Carol into the bath, wash her, then help her out the bath and dry her off. And I get into the bath, all I see now, I didn't sure, all I see now is Carol. It, it, yeah. it, it, it's torture. But I'm able to talk about it without grieving the way I used to cry, but I cry every day. I mean, I'm not going to hide that. All I'm saying yeah. is, the thing is, it's good that guys have learned to talk. You know, and the reason I talk is, I'm hoping some people will take away from them. Life is fragile. Yeah. Maybe we left it a bit late, but I don't want you guys to leave it late. Try and make the most of it. And Steve, see, see when you're saying, you know, people have maybe criticised whatever you've done and said, like, on Facebook, and you, oh, there's no Facebook given there. There's no, but it's, that's your way of expressing your feelings. Yeah. And that's it. So there's, you know, there's there's no wrong or right way to do it. That's the way you want to do it. And Well, Carol, should we talk to us? Carol was worried about me. She's telling people, she's saying, you know, I'm worried about Stevie. And yeah. she's worried about me. She's dying. She's worried about me. I and then she says, no, you're a good talker, just talk. I says, well, talk where? See, see, when Carol was passing, I was getting nearly 300 messages a day on my phone. And yeah. people were calling out because I couldn't answer them. So you imagine, say the first thing, they go like, well, Carol, she's diagnosed, it's terminal, blah, blah. And you tell them. Then you message the next day, how is she today? Then you answer, well, she's much the same, but 
you know, and then another message, and then you answer a question, they go, and then they answer another mm. question, but, and you go, oh, come on, how much more do I need to tell aye. you? But you feel, like, so some people were falling out of me because I wasn't getting back to them, but I couldn't get back to them, and all the communication was getting done through Facebook, Twitter, and texts and things, because that's where all my friends were. Car- Carol's an open book, you ask anybody that knows Carol, maybe it's spoke to Car- Carol's an open book, Carol kept knows, Carol would tell you all the things she's ever done and talked about in her whole life. Because she was that kind of person. So we we're, we're, we're an open book, we've got no secrets. And and so being on Facebook and, and it's a private group, you know, the people who went to Facebook are my friends, and that's it. So yeah, nobody else right. gets to see it, really, you know. Uh-huh. So yeah. so you get five hundred and fifty odd folk on there and maybe half a dozen didn't agree. And I'm going, you know, I'm even sharing our life. You no, know, I'm talking about me and Carol because I've obviously we've videotaped things through the years and done things. And I'm just uh, this. I'm just saying say this was your life. I'm talking about because you know I didn't start grieving. We didn't start grieving when Carol passed. We started grieving the day we were told. Our yep. dreams came to an end. Our hopes <coughs> came to an end. Our life came to an end. Everything stopped the day we were told. All we were doing from that day on was waiting for the day, and the day came rapidly. You know, and then when you got your wife and you're watching her dying, she dies in your arms as a whole. And I'm not. I don't want sympathy. That's not something I want. I'm just talking about it because I need to talk. You know, because I can't uh-huh. talk. I, I don't like to talk to grandkids and depress them. They've got a life to live, you know. And, of course, but they, but they do talk. They do talk. They live out and care in particular. It's good, it's, then, it's good that they're interested to know. It's like um, it's like anybody. If if you've grown up for say the five five year old onwards and you've you've lost a grandparent, you you want to know. Go, but what happened? Why were they doing this? Well, oh, they were here. Yeah, they held their hands. She took her last breath. They were here, yeah, holding their hands. Awesome, they, were, they were in tears. It wasn't. Again, was criticised. They shouldn't have been there, but they wanted to be there. Oh, of course, they eh? wanted. So that's to be Stevie. See the way you feel, Reverend. Fuck yeah. everybody, man. Who cares? See, as long as everybody who's in your circle is happy with what's happened, that's yeah. what the main thing that happens. Yeah. Like, Aye. there's people who's when their kids born, they set up email addresses for their kids. And they send pictures and emails, your first steps, your first photo, uh, first date at school, first date at nursery, and X, Y, and Z. And, and that's, 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 that's their way of doing it. Yeah. Yeah. So if, that, if that's some way of people seeing how their kids grow, then what's wrong with you doing with what you're doing? There's, there's, no, I, just, there's, 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 I just think it is one of the things where you just watch, you don't want to get traumatised either, you know, so you're trying to be careful. But they're, they were so close to Carol, honestly. Yeah. Carol, Carol, you can't describe, even people that work with Carol are missing her dreadfully. And, yeah. and and I was the lucky one. I was the one that won the lottery. Carol was my wife, you know, and I just miss her every day, guys, you know. Oh, but, of course, right. But as you say, that, the lesson's been learned, for, hopefully, for, you know, I mean, there you go. I mean, we had the, grand, the great-granddaughter born. Uh, Congratulations, I've seen that. Born on my birthday, was it your birthday? birthday? Aye, she was born on my birthday. Oh, what a sign, eh? And here's something that nobody knows. No, hang on. It's even creepier. It's even creepier. The exact same time as I was born. What? Oh, we can't yep. up to the minute. Fucking the minute. hell. Aye. But what I say, I'm doing is being, uh, what time was it? Aye. Just after, about 20 past... Nine. Nine was born at twenty-four minutes past nine. Oh, you, you, oh, what is what is the chances? What are the chances of that? Really? Do you know what I mean? But Steve, um, as I say, like Stephen, you spoke about earlier on, like the the amount of love that you got for everybody. 
Uh, and even even for somebody like myself, or for my one of my best mates, and you know him very well, David. But every, see, even people in work and stuff, everybody <coughs> still to this day is like Steve Daft is the only way to put it. Steve Daft, oh, that's Steve Daft, just just because you're such a likable guy, and the people who who watch this and they'll 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 get that. Do you know what I mean? That you you just you've got so much knowledge, and so you're you're just you wear your heart on your sleeve, and that's what people love. Do you know what I mean? Uh, that's because the lessons I've learned through life as well. I mean, exactly. I've, I've made some great corny mistakes. Made some as, ev- as as everybody, you know. So. But that's what I'm saying about less mistakes, lessons, learning. I mean, I think the secret is just to go on with it, learn the lesson, and move on. You know what I mean? Don't dwell on these things too much. Learn See. the lesson, move on. But the thing is, treat people the way you want to be treated. Yeah. You know, and try not to be too judgmental, and always impart your knowledge. I don't think anybody's got a right to keep knowledge and the fear that somebody takes a job over. Always impart your knowledge. Always. That's your duty in life. You know? So see the, the company that you started up and you're running now? What's that? Well, Spears McDonald. Well, Spears, the circle of life. Right? Spear, circle. McDonald, Carol's maiden name. Hodge, you're married now. And uh, I've always done this type of work. I've always had more than one revenue stream. I've always kept things moving about. Even we done all our shows Probably. back in the, the day with the discs, we used to film them and all that. So that's where that comes in. We introduced karaoke machines as well with, back in the day. So you used to film a lot of these events. And we've done, we've, we've done, me and my brother's done loads of weddings and different things. But we've got this, I mean, I'm fairly, uh, all the Adobe products I know inside out. So I, I mean, I've done, done a photo today. And you could tell the mate that the woman was quite, you know, she's it's her, it's her grandfather for the Korean War. And uh, she needed, she wanted this photo, it went all yellow, and you could hardly see it. And yeah, I managed to draw out the outline, get the outline out of it, just the outline, and then we colourised it, and it just looks like a normal photo, and she's, she was in tears. Wow. Absolutely tears. Amazing. And then two weeks ago, this woman came, I, I didn't know this, this is something I learned, this woman came to me. And she said, look, we've got audio tapes, and could you digitise them? And I said, ah, certainly. And uh, mm-hmm. so I bought the equipment for doing that type of work. And uh, so these audio tapes for 1959, and there was a family that immigrated to Melbourne when Melbourne was next to nothing. And back in the day, he got into a recording shop, and you could record a tape. And I didn't know that. So you could get into one of these, you know, the dares, the Phillips shops, and record a tape. And have it sent to Celia. So you're gonna be your family right? a wee message for your mum. Hi mum, how you doing? This is Joe, I'm doing all right, blah blah. And then he would pass all that tape and send it. Because nobody had video cameras. You know what I mean? There was these oh, yeah. big, really real tapes, tape machines. And uh, and there was Cine, but not everybody could afford Cine, because you got a Cine camera and it was four inch tapes that lasted about four minutes or something. So then you had to process it. So people were doing these things. So this is what this family done. They, they've got this tape, and they, they, what they've done is they spent this whole Christmas Eve, a whole week of Christmas, filling this audio tape up, 1959. And then she's never heard it. She'd never heard it. And her mother had never heard it. Her mother was now 80-something. She'd never heard it. Wow. And they, they had the tapes, because the, grand, the grandfather had sent them to them, and this is the tape. So anyway, I'm listen, I've got to listen to it. Any time do a tape, people go like, how come it's that dear? And it's not dear, right? It's like £10 for the first half hour, £5 for half hour after. But if it's two hours long, 
it's two hours to transfer. You can't speed it up. It's not a process in speed. Because we've got to edit it out. We've got to take all the lead out and all the noise out and all that stuff. So we've got to listen to it. So it's, but it's not cheap, you know. Process. So uh, sorry, it's cheap, but it's not. It's not expensive. It's value for money. But anyway, so <laughs> we, we got all this, and you only heard the kids in this. The kids were from Falkirk from Scotland. No, hi, Granny. How you doing, Granny? Yeah, it's great in Melbourne, and I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do that, and we're going to get a boat for maybe four shillings next year, 1960. You're like, wow, and this is kids. They must be dead. No, no. Aye, aye, they're maybe 14, 15. Well, that's what happened. That was 1959, so... Aye, so, what the good chance of what I mean? But anyway, so... But you listen to that, and you go, wow, and then you edit it, and you clean it up, and you hand it over to them. And you tell them because you've heard it, they talk about this. And then there's a bit in it where the guy's talking to an ex-girlfriend, Gertrude, and he's going like, Gertrude, I'm really sorry that I left you, but I'd really like you to come over here. And have you can apply to immigration control. No, they, and you listen to it, and this is people who back in the day had their own dreams and their own their thoughts of how life was going to progress. Wow. You know? And it, opened, it just opens your, your... And then I did a cine film for somebody where they'd done a cine. Again, this was a back in the 90s. It was the... Scotland doing at Wembley with a laptop, the the the, the goalposts. So <laughs> he, 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 this guy had been doing it and he filmed it on his city, but it wasn't sound, it was all silent. So what I'd done is I've I've got all these copyright licenses, so I went and got the sound of of the reports today. Yes, and and it's over. Scotland have won. Alan McCoy, not Alan McCoy, Stanley, what is that guy? Alan's army, what is his name? McLeod. Alan McLeod oh, is taking Scotland through and blah, blah. And so you've got like that. And then with the Royal Marines, they were playing you know, a few, uh, Scotland the Brave and all that. Uh -huh. So we superimposed that on it to bring it alive. And then we digitised it. So Because what was happening is, this couple's now like 83 year old. Their family decided to digitise all their tape, all their films. So we copied all their films. We digitised it, took all the noise out, it, done a restore on it, cut all the leader. Can you put these out? It's on a, it's on a, a, a tape. You hear? Uh, you ever heard this? Sunny? It's grabbed on the wee wheel and it pulls it through. The name's letting it because I'm just talking too much. But anyway, uh, we digitised that and we, we put it on and, and the guy come back, he's, he's put a five-star review. He goes, I can't believe you put all that sound to that and you've done all this, you've done all that. I said, it's about memories, mate. He says, my, grand, I said, my, parents, my grandparents would invite them into the house, put all the lights out, and then fiddle about trying to get it to go through the, and then, uh, and then over minutes they have to go up, put the lights on, put it on it. Now they just sit and watch it on their telly, and it's it's amazing. They're sitting there with their cups uh, of tea and their rehabs, uh, and they love it, and they love the choice of music because I put I put lots of uh, the older type music in off, you know, the types of Frank Sinatra and Tony uh, Bennett and all that kind of stuff. And I, but I played all the all the Scottish stuff when it came to the Wembley. No, uh, we are the blood. It's Ali's. Ali's, 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 Ali's. So that, that was really good. But, but I'm loving it. It's good. That was the best week we've had. We've, we're getting on Ali's now between two and a half and three thousand engagements every week. I see nuts. Steve, you posted you posted on your Facebook, didn't you? That the, uh, so well, I post the results every week to aye. say this is where I just want people to know where we're going. You know, aye, aye. and I'm targeting different areas, but we do everything. We transfer everything. We do all. I mean, for people that want to know how to market social media properly and how to get out there and do things, we're doing all that as well. The big thing for us now is transfer, transferring any type of media and uh, also uh, photography 
and bringing back the photographs to life. They'll bring the photographs back that have faded and died. Yep. Or even an old black and white just needs colourised and, and yep. things, doing all that stuff. And uh, I, we're getting a bit from everything at the moment, but that's the side that seems to be going, and it's, it's all quick turnover stuff. Because I've got the system set up. What happens is anything you want done, you either send it to us or we pick it up. If we pick it up, there's a chance. If you send it to us, you send it as a post, and then we deliver it via a digital download. We don't, nothing else. You download it right. yourself. You download it and you'll have a choice of options. You have the original file, which is going to be massive. Uh, you can have, you can press for like 70, 20 P, you know, all that kind of stuff. Yep. And you can yeah. download it to suit your mobile phone or your laptop or, you know, your iPad, uh, whatever. But the thing is, most TVs now will accept a screencast. So if you download it to your phone, you can then play it. Especially if you do the, the original file, it's massive. So you won't lose any detail when you blow up. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I uh, if you do a small file and you try and show the TV, it'll get a bit you know, broke up. Excellent. It'll look too good. Mm -hmm. But they've got a choice. They can download any size of file they want for up to seven days after we complete it. So the idea being, as they post it does, <coughs> I'll, I'll get them to send my photograph. Or send my pho if it's photographs I want done, send my photograph, I'll get a photograph, or we can do it. And then I'll tell them to just you know, upload it, send it to us, or scan it, or whatever. Uh, or else we'll do that, just send it to us, and then, aye. So, no, it's working, it's working. It's working. Steve, I've got, like, for example, my mum, right, I know I know she's got she's got black and white pictures of her mum and dad. Mm -hmm. So, do you take a picture of the picture, or do you send the original to you, or how does it work? Could it... Oh, the, the, way, the, way, the way it works, the best way is for us to scan yeah. the photo. Right, okay. The more detail we get in the photo, the better. And we can do it, I've done it, I can do it off a photograph, but it depends on how you take the photograph. But most people... I'll take a photograph and then they'll save it in JPEG, which is a lossy format. Whereas we scan them at a minimum of 1,200 pixels a square inch, right? right? So we scan it and we got all that detail. And then that lets us, I don't know if you've worked with the likes of Photoshop and all these different programs, but it lets us do different layers and we can break it in and we can add a colour per layer and get in there, restore the blacks and the whites. Believe it or not, there's not a lot of colour in a colour photograph. About 20% of the photo you see colour is colour. The rest is black, whites and greys. I mean, it's, you put understand the science of that, it's quite crazy actually. So what we do is we restore the blacks, the whites and the greys and then we concentrate on the colour. And generally we can get the picture looking brand new. The one we've done today, they thought was impossible and I said, it's impossible, we can do it. I'll send you a copy after this. You mean, but I send you, you go like, there's no way how you save that. And I'm telling you, it was a Korean picture. And no sooner had we done it, she told her brother, she's this woman stays on that call, her brother lives in Falkirk. And he was on the phone right away. He says, I've got more. I want, I need to get these done. I, I, I says, I've never seen them done like that. And I says, well, no bother. Probably. So, no, it's working. You know what I mean? It's it's keeping me busy. My secret now is to keep myself busy. 100%. I, time to think, I get time to think, I, I fall apart. So I of keep, course, of course. I, I generally don't go to sleep till 3 in the morning because I can't sleep. And then I start getting tired about 3 and then I put the TV on. I try to watch news and this time what's something keeps me so... Your TV Sorry. has been off. Your TV's been on this full time. <laughs> I, can, I can see your TV in the back. No. I, I know what I mean is it's not on. Like, we don't, I don't listen. I'm here. I know. It's just there. <laughs> you know what I mean? I always feel the running rooms. People come in and it just looks like death for them. You know what I mean? But, so, I, so for anybody who... Because I never, I never understood that's what you've done. I know you've watched some pro, uh, promotional videos you do for like personal trainers and uh, all that uh, sort of. So you do, you do that side of it as well, obviously. Uh, Brian, but, you know, that was Brian. He's a good trainer. Aye, right? aye. You, you just know him. Somebody knows him because they come up with a few friends on my. my when I've done it, I went. I know people already know you. 
Right. I'm sure he's not. For anybody who didn't know, for me personally, I never knew that was a thing. So I'm already thinking, I know my mum and dad's, uh, my mum's got pictures that are black and white and she would love to see it in colour and blah, blah, blah. So I restored that, that's a word. So for anybody who's listening, if you have, then... Most of the colouring stuff was on Facebook. The website's not really been set up for the colouring stuff. It was, it was like, what happened is, I've got all this equipment and we do all the stuff that we do. But then it dawned on me, the stuff that we do, the equipment I've got, we can do all these transfers as well. So why not just offer it? People were asking, we do transfers. I thought, oh, you know, especially we do photographs because people expect you, well, what some people want is they want the full service. And I'm not, I don't want to be equipped like that because it, it takes you away. So what happens is if somebody says to me, we want you to restore the picture and then bring it back to life and then print the picture, then put it in a frame and then send it to us. Yeah. It's too time consuming. And I would need to start charging, but photographers charge. I mean, my, my, my business model is I'm trying to make everything affordable to everybody. I want mm-hmm. them to come on. That's why there's no really any middlemen. I mean, there's five of us and we all know how to deal with things. So what happens is, and we're all working from home, and we're working via the cloud servers, the stuff comes in, and we get it done, and we send it straight back out, almost the same day. And, uh, you know, unless, I mean, there's some jobs that take longer. I mean, it can take 14 days for a full transfer when you're working with right. any film. Because we've got to clean the any film. Sometimes we've got to bake it. Sometimes you've got to bake it to get the, the different layers to come together. So you've got to put it in the oven and bake it for 40 hours. 24 hours the first time at one temperature, and then 24 hours at another temperature to bring the, the layers together. Then you clean it. And then how, do you, how do you cook your dinner? Eh? How do you cook your dinner? We do. We have used the... the, 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 the well, you actually always have a double oven. That way you put it. Smart. But to be honest, you can't get one off in your own domestic oven. It doesn't go down one off. It doesn't need to be that hot. It's just you've got to bake it slowly over 24 hours. It's just lots of little tricks that help you get to where you've got to go. You know? But no, it's a... No, any time... I mean, you guys... I mean, I watch your show and I think, yes, sir. I'd love to do a bit of that for you and a bit of that. And I'd love to show you some green screen technology you could be Please, using. please do. Please do. You know what I mean? Because there's a lot of stuff that could really... Enhances. No, he's there, great job, guys. Thanks for having me. I don't think we've got halfway through anything, but it's... Well, Steve, there can always be an episode two. Anytime. I know. Anytime. But I Steve, want to listen to that, you know. Oh, of course. I know, well, I know my mum's going to be watching to this point, so she 100% will be watching all of them. Uh, Briefly, just before you ask Steve the last question, uh, how beautiful is that re-emerge podcast there on the back of your shoulder? It's backwards though, so. I would love to have it lit up, but you can't see it. Uh, uh, so also, also the indication behind Steve's head as well. Very beautiful. Indica- is that your alarm, Steve? What's that? No, just, it's, it's the, the flashing? It's the, the, f- the flame, no, the frame behind his head, the wee kind of... Oh, right, the one above his head. Motivational. Does it say uh, indication? I feel like it might not say indication. I'm, I'm worried. No, I've just got all these... I've got photos are in this. It's, it's, I'm in the, I'm in the right. dining room, actually. That's where I'm. Behind you. Is and what's flashing is, is I've got oh, no, the flash. one of these lights here. Oh, right, okay. <laughs> it's flashing. No, no, the flash. it, it's, I've not turned it on electrically wise. It's on battery. I'm saying is, so see the, directly above your head? Uh there's a wee like a photo frame you've got and it says indication. Aye, it's it's a moral thing. It's all about. Aye, that's uh, what you know about. 
either motivation or uh, no, it's just a wee, a wee hang. I like gay hang. Because we used to surround. See, Carol, Carol was great at. Carol was. Carol, when Carol passed, more than, more than 67% of me went with her. Because Carol, Carol made me. Carol, Carol, yeah. Carol's one of these people who said, go like that, Stevie, what? We're doing a five-year plan. I go, oh, I can't. I <laughs> no, we're doing a five-year plan. We're doing it now. And, and that's what we do. We sit down and do a five-year plan. And, and the plan would be, that's the plan. But if we get half it done, good. And then, but we reviewed that five-year plan every year. I mean, it was crazy. You know, and, but she was just that kind of woman. She just, nothing faced her. Nothing faced her, you know. I just, I miss her laughter. I miss her smile. I miss her about her. Do you know what I mean? And Steve, you know, that's what it'd be for anybody that's in any relationship. You need to treasure those that are close to you. Steve, I think um, she, she, when I listened to you speak about, about Carol and obviously the, the love you had for her was just, you can't even describe it. It was unbelievable. Like, And see, when you talk about the perfect relationship, and this isn't just me saying this, this is people telling me that there's so many relationships that are, there probably shouldn't be relationships. Do you know what I mean? They're, they're no interest in each other. They've, they've given up or whatever. But every time I listen to you speak, especially about Carol, you just think how lucky you are. Do you know what I mean? And it, it really, it really, really inspires people to uh, fucking focus on what you've got and not just because it, it can be taken away from you. <laughs> it's an, it's an explicit con. It's explicit. I, mean, I, just, I can't. I couldn't. I, I mean. I could introduce you a million people. I mean, see, see, even at the day of the passing, the funeral, I, I, could, I filled that place 10 times over. I was in, I was having to say, I can't, I can't get any venues big enough. I can't. Aye, aye. I couldn't, but we're having to just, because people just wanted to say their goodbye to you. I mean, see, see, if, you, if you met Carol once, you never forgot her. I mean, that, but, that's well, that's what I was going to say there, Steve. I, I came to Carol's funeral and I'd only ever met her once and it was, you'd brought her into, into the village. And I remember walking by and thinking, like used to, where all, there, was, there was just this sort of banter almost between you. You know what I mean? It was just, it was just. It's a, it's a frequency people give off in it. Aye, like, it is, it is. And then, like, but we'd both been in relationships yeah. before. I mean, it's not. I mean, that's what I mean about life. You move uh, forward. You know what I mean? And, and you learn things, and, and you become a better person. Right? See, I think we men, for instance, your testosterone levels are too high when we're young. Yeah, I think that's a lot to do with us. We're kind of mad. We're ego driven to start with. We don't mean it, but we're kind of ego driven. It, it depends how you want to interpret that, you know. But, but as you go older, you think these things are important. What, what am I doing? This is more important. I really honestly look forward to going home every night and pink Carol and coming home. I really drop off at we, we would drop off at wee pubs and wee places and just for a bite tea and have a chat. And just the driving home together. See, now so it used to be we were working that hard we met when you entered the house and because we're so wound up, you couldn't really talk to each other at first. <laughs> it was too. Uh, I mean, yeah. it's like jaggy and then you just get one. But I was seeing you were picking each other up and going home together. You talked about it. By the time you got home through all the traffic jams and talked, you were as calm as a whistle when you walked on the door. So I would come right in, prepare the dinner. Carol would go upstairs and start getting changed. Then she would come down the stairs, I'd prepare the dinner. She'd then get to the conservatory and have a wee cigarette. I'd go upstairs get changed, come down and back down and finish the dinner. And then we'd and then she would do the dinner. I mean, but just, it was all routine. Everything we had was routines. And it's yeah, the routines yeah. that you, I can't even, things you don't think about. I mean, I, I realise now, I mean, Carol used to say, right, let's do the housework. And you get two bathrooms. And I said, so you're an upstairs and a downstairs. And Carol didn't like nice. the bathroom. That was my job to do the bathrooms, right? So, 
you're doing the bathrooms, I'm doing the floors. And that's the way it was. So I'd go and do the bathroom, do the floors. And there was all these wee rules and, you know. And, I, and I just I feel like that. Um, see, see the mirror mirror you keep mentioning it? The mirror mirror I think of like relationships to the past and relationships to the new. Like, my partner, Paula, she does all the cleaning, so all the beds. Most of the cooking. Just recently, it's just had to go to cooking. And Mary, I think my face isn't getting any prettier, man. Like, I need to start thinking. Doing something. You make better, you, you appreciate that person. No, that, that's, that, but that's point, what I'm saying. The point of doing more, like, that person inspires you. Like, come on, get up. Get up, get up. Do it. Come on, stop being a lazy bastard. And it's hard because I'm a lazy bastard. Like, <laughs> so. Right, so uh, I'm honest, I, I love to see Carol all the time. I just loved it. I'd, I'd, come in, I just I love to see Carol settle down. I mean, Carol's friends would come here. I, I'm not one of the guys that had to be in their face. So if her friends came, I'd come and say, how are you doing, girls, and blah, blah. But I don't have a girl talking to stay the road and come in. Aye, so I'd aye, drink aye, the bad aye, girl. Aye, aye, I was aye. never... Well, it, it's just... Well, and that, that's what made life so much easier. It just, we just knew aye, each other yeah. and... She knew what made me tick, and she knew how to keep me in check. And you know, like I say, I, I obviously done things that could annoy her, and she'd somebody do it. But I was always there. We were always there for each other. See, she accepted me warts and all. And I, you know, and I'll be honest, she was the most perfect woman. I won the lottery. I won the lottery. Amazing. I know I did. And uh, and the kids don't know that or not. And to call their great grandchild up, I'm not Thea Carol. It's just that, that's a nice sweet touch. Yeah, beautiful. I feel really beautiful. pleased. The fact she's born on my birthday is like wow. And I can tell you how yeah. stories, and there's some stories out there that would scare you. When you went, some of the stories, I can tell you, we went that Europe trip, we went out that Europe, you had time for that, so you could take Ah, you go for it. I've got, I'm going to, I'm literally going to jump into the toilet, but I know, I've seen the pictures, but on you go, and I'll, I'll join in when I come back. Me. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I'm just, I, no, just, there's just that many I can tell you, but no, nah, we'll call it that, I'll know, keep you going. Oh, but, tell, tell me, tell us, tell us about Europe. Europe, no, one of, the, one of the things that happened uh, was the Garden Carol, and we, we went, well, I went to Budapest, oh, and wow. I was, well, so I was in Budapest, uh, I was feeling kind of down, see, while I was away, I wasn't enjoying it, I mean, I know it sounds strange, I was out and about with friends, meeting friends, so, and I was enjoying it at times, but Everywhere I looked, I seen couples, so I'm jealous. Where's my wife? I wish my wife. My wife should be with me. And, and uh, you know, it's a, it's a funny kind of burden you carry. So you're trying to convince yourself. I'm looking out, I'm talking, saying, look, Carol, look at this, look, Carol, look at this. But in my head, when you sat down even for a meal, I wanted Carol beside me and she wasn't there. So it was very emotional, it was very hard. So sometimes it was a bit overwhelming, but you went to Budapest with all these monasteries. And then there was this particular monastery. <clears throat> and this time I'm, I'm, I'm there myself because I'm on my way back. On my own, and uh, I went in, I went into this monastery and I sat down and I sat down there and, and I just started kind of green, you know that way you right. sit doing it. Some people been in that church and you're sitting doing Big it. Energy. And, uh, and I was having a really great, but I was, thought it was quiet. I thought it was quiet. But it was all these monks doing this kind of chant things, right. and I was having a really great. But anyway, maybe five minutes passed. Now we tapped my shoulder. And I jumped up, I got afraid, and I jumped up, and, and I turned around, and I, I went, oh, sorry, I just kind of panicked, I thought, I'm sorry, I didn't realise I was, you know, they're having a wee service, and I thought uh-huh. maybe, man, be greeting, and, but I didn't think I was getting that loud, but because he's tapping his shoulder, I turned around, and he's like, but he's smiling, and he went like that, 
thank you for bringing Carol with you. Jesus, I burst into tears. I burst into tears. I just, I thought, how how does this work? Uh And and I I just burst into tears. And then he sat down beside me. And there was a couple of things really bothered me. Really bothered me. And to be honest, it was one of the things I was saying about how I was being criticised about some things that was hurting me. You know what I mean? Uh I was trying to find reason with it, was, and then he told me I wasn't to worry about that. He knew that. He went like, ah, "Don't worry about the criticism. Don't worry about the criticism." Carol's with it's weird. Why people feel the need to criticize anybody? Like, but they're hurting as well, so they don't always act as well either. They're hurting as well. Remember, so I mean, that's if you take. I don't. I don't. I do get a little bit upset, and maybe. Angry is not the right word, but I do try and look at it from their perspective and think, well, maybe, you know, maybe they've got a right to buy Maybe that's the way they feel, that's how they deal with it. But Carol is my wife and my love, so... And, and, and Carol told like me, that. Carol said, I want you, you could... One of the things she said to me was, don't forget me, Stevie. And that makes me cry, even when I say it now, it makes me cry. Oh, How could I forget her? Oh, of course, course. and emotionally, such yeah. a charge... Sentence as well. And Stevie, oh, one man. one thing I will say is, um, if 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 I could have half the, I know I know I love my girlfriend and whatever, but I'm saying if if you can have half the happy half the happiness that I know you had, mm-hmm. that's a that's a a lot. Do you know what I mean? So it, may, it means a lot to a lot of people, and I think you know that the, the amount of, as you said the amount of love you've had for everybody, and um, people are constantly checking up and just just making sure. Everything's all right. How are you feeling? And and you you're very honest in how you feel. And I, and I I really appreciate that that you you always say you know you don't you don't mask your um you know fucking sadness about everything that's happened. And even you even tonight, like coming on to a podcast, you like that that is you need to you need to a lot of people will take a lot of um maybe not happiness or joy, but a lot of encouragement from that because. You talk about men not being able to speak about things, and I would probably say predominantly men. That's why definitely speak men speaking is a big thing. But you're a big role model to a lot of people, and I don't I don't actually think you realise how much. You know what I mean? And I remember speaking to Kenny about having having you on the the podcast and stuff like that. And Kenny will tell you I couldn't speak highly enough, and a lot of people are the exact same. Do you know what I mean? Oh, I really appreciate. I mean, it means a lot. You know, it means a lot. It helps you put a wee bit of value to your life, you know what I mean? To know that you put a bit of impact on, 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 on people, you know. Likewise, lots of people have been impacting me, or the guys that cool. guys that are no longer here who helped me, and, and even when I've done some silly things in life, and because I've always done them, you know. Uh, I've always said that. I've always, I've always though, I've always cared for people. I can say that I've always cared, and 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 we've got to always try and do it. It may not always understand people, but we, we care for people. And yeah. I think that's the thing is we all work together as a team as well. We all care, you know. And it's just finding the right avenue to focus that and and get the best result, you know. So, but what I hope is, I just hope that I don't know. What do you hope? Do you it's like, eh? What do you hope? You hope? What do you hope? I hope I can pull through. I still don't know how I'll make it, you know. I know that's gonna be. I think you can, ain't you? But, but as I say, as I say, like that, aye, that that's even to say that, 
I think you underestimate what that actually means to a lot of people because a lot of people don't they don't know how to how to make it vote they don't know how to uh, make it vocal they don't know how to say it they don't know then when you hear people coming on and speaking about it and I it's, it's very it's powerful it is it's very touching and it's and you can feel it it's not as if you, you hear a lot of people and a lot of people exaggerate a lot of things but you know when something's right when something when you mean somebody means something do you know what I mean mm-hmm. um, but it's you know, the thing is, I think there's no escaping this. The one yeah. thing the one thing that's chasing you once you're born is death. Yeah. And that's the game that comes down to what's the difference between money and time. You don't get time back. You'll always know how much money you've got, you'll always know how much you're earning, but you never know how much time you've got. And and the thing is you don't be worrying too much about it because you want to enjoy your life. But I I still th- I mean Moving forward in life, like I say, it's all about generalities. I think we all need to learn to be good at most things so we can join the dots and, 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 and make things work for us the way we want. Specialist trades, even for doctors. I mean, within the next 15 years, doctors will be just dialing, you'll be dialing in to see what, what you think you've got. And that'll tell you with a 99% accuracy what you've got. More than, the computers are already beating the doctors at it. Do you know what I mean? The computers are already saying, I'm getting no, 99% right compared to maybe 100 doctors. So it's only a matter of time before there's a lot of people not doing this. Even accountants, we need accountants. We don't need for them. But a will be online, a lot of this, a lot of that. Be nobody driving cars generally, you know? Now, if nobody driving cars, you want to be in car dealerships. I mean, everything's going to change. Same with public cars here. Uh, Steve, I don't know if you ever listened to Joe Rogan podcast. Um, he's an American comedian. Now, one thing he was talking about, he had Elon Musk on his podcast and they had a very in-depth, well, probably. I, really I, I, oh, I, couldn't even, I couldn't even fathom what he was saying. Like, so, but Joe Rogan was saying, like, he had, he had another guest on and he was talking about driving. And I agree with him. Like, I, I enjoy driving. I love driving. And I will never... Unless it's forced, I will never give up driving manually. I love it. I just love the, the whole experience. I look forward to driving at work, driving to work or driving from work. Oh, I love it. Aye, I oh, love driving. There you go, man. I love driving. But, but that, that will be taken away. I mean, I've got no doubt it'll be taken away from you because what they'll, what they'll do is it will be safer. That'll yeah, be safer. Is, and, and, and the fact that it's safer. I mean, you think about it. All cars can talk to each other, which is the way it's going to be. The car in front won't be breaking harsh, won't be speeding up. Show these tailbacks and see motorways because people are cutting in and out. That won't happen. Everything will be smooth. I'll just keep moving. Everything will keep moving. Uh, you'll be able to sit back, comb your hair, put your makeup on, have a fag, do what you want to do, <laughs> and it's just going to take you there. And then the flying cars are the same thing. I mean, they're, they're going to be flying. It's only a matter of time before we're using light and, and, and even solar. We're flying. We're finding aye, aye, that's that's true. That's true, out there that, that people... I mean, have you watched that SpaceX? That's amazing. Incredible. Incredible. Sending so many people to Mars and then you're going to refuel it at Mars and come back and see if people is to look in. I mean, it's that. And what makes this possible is computer modelling. That's what, I mean, and once quantum physics really move into computers, there's no end to it. But have you, have you noticed as well now that they're changing the whole con- I mean, there is a real high probability that we are and we're, we're in a make-believe world, really. But I find it hard to find out. Is this reality? 
Is it really? Well, that's, again, Joe, uh, Steve, you should listen to Joe Rogan because they dive quite deeply into that. So Elon Musk is saying that the, the, ch- the, the chances are more in favour that this is, a, this is pretty much a game. Uh-huh. Do you know what I mean? It's, you're not actually living. It's, 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 you can't even describe, you can't even put it into context what it actually means because it's too, it's too, um, what's the word? It's too oh, there's so many, there's so enhanced there's for the, the, the brain to even try and get runs. It's just incredible. Well, you look at what he's doing there with that chip and, and it still can't go as fast as the brain. Yeah. But it'll be able to read right to the brain at a good yeah. speed. Right. And, and basically, humans will adapt to being cyborgs. I mean, they will. Yeah. They will get artificial limbs, and they will. If you want to speak French, you'll get a wee implant, and you'll go and speak French. Right. Like right. Right. It. So it's getting. Then we have to watch. Though this, who uses? I mean, how do you know when you go in there? They're going to program you to speak French and not program you to be a killer. So I guess a bit scary. Arnold Schwarzenegger kind of thing. I know. It's a trust thing. It goes back to a trust thing again, doesn't it? But I think mankind has the capability to overcome all these challenges. I think yeah. 2020 is obviously a bad one. And and a lot of people will be using the COVID thing to suit their own agendas and create all sorts of issues. But we have to stay focused on the fact that most people won't get you know, And, and yeah. it's for us to make sure if somebody's doing something stupid, that we let them know that we think they're doing something stupid. Yeah. Even if they're wrong, yeah. still speak up. Do you know what I mean? So, yeah. yeah. It's good to see you guys are doing well. All well. Aye. So, just just, just before I ask the last question, Kenny, you want to say something? I was just going to say, see if it goes to us becoming cyborgs. It's already happened. That's never out of my hand. I know, I know. How many times times has your phone... So, I don't know if you heard it, Steve, but during the podcast, Kenny's phone has obviously been listening to him and it's perked up about three times. Uh, in the space of right. two hours, two and a half hours? I've, I've not got that set, but I've turned that off. No, aye, aye. Uh, I swear that it, it, it shouldn't be doing that for some reason. <laughs> but we're, we're up, I mean, the thing is, that, that's the thing with this, this implant. It'll, it's going to communicate to your phone first and foremost. You yeah. need for that to yeah. work, you carry a phone. But there'll come a point where you won't need a phone. Uh, you won't be the antenna. You will be the software. You know, and, and then they've already they've created all these... Uh, small robots are carrying out operations in your blood and they'll just give you an injection and they'll home in and go after whatever, whatever it is they're told to go after. Uh, so, as I mean, my father used to say to me, well before all this started, Stephen, there's more life in your, your hand than there is in the universe. And he was right. There's more life. In our universe, as we knew it, then there's more life in your hand. And the, you were talking about the gut. The life that yep. we've got in our gut and that affects them. Like they're only now really starting to understand the importance of the gut and what's mm-hmm. in the gut that's that's better for your health. But there's the life that's in there alone. I mean, we're host to millions of forms of life. We're host to that. You know it. So, are we not part of the same thing? I know. You know when you look at when you look at the structure of trees and plants and the universe. And it's all energy, isn't it? It's all energy. And you can't destroy it. You just you destroy earth and become something else. Yeah. So, for that reason alone, I believe in life after death. I don't believe in God. The reason I don't believe in God is he's in nobody's head. He's, he's, <laughs> he's well in nobody's head because there's so many yeah. things going on. Agreed. Agreed. Who said that? Or somebody said that? It was a comedian that said that he's in nobody's head, and he is because 
you've got all these things going on in the COVID going on, you've got the thing with the Russians going on, the Chinese yeah. going on, North Korea. I mean, it's just, and you've got you, you, fucking Boris Johnson. You, I mean, everything's going mad. And, and I don't believe that God, but I do believe in a life after. I mean, it's I a song. Yeah. I, believe, I, I mean, I believe I've been born before. I, I, I can think back to when I was only like three years age, and I can remember almost everything moving forward. I mean, it's the strangest thing. So just can I just say this before we ask the last question? I've I've got something I remembered um a story from when you thought about being on sites and stuff like that. I can't tell it on here because I don't want to incriminate somebody, so I'll tell you afterwards, so stay on after we finish, right? Um but anyway, so the final question. Question we ask everybody, all the guests that come on the Merd Show. We will ask you, if you could have one drink and one drink only, what would you have and which celebrity would it be with? Mm. It's got to be a whiskey. It's got to be a whiskey. I knew, I knew it was a whiskey. <laughs> it's got to be a whiskey, right? And I'm, I'm, not, I'm not a puss. I'm not a wee glad for it will do me, be rich or whatever. You know, I'm not, I don't mind any kind of whiskey as long as it's nice. Uh, celebrity. Go with, go with a celebrity. Mm. See, between it, see Elvis. Elvis. I loved Elvis when he was a, a guy, and I, I just I loved his music. I didn't know that person. We only know what the publicity machine tells you, but uh, I, I liked his music, and it, and it done a lot for me. But celebrity, that's a hard one to be honest. But I think. Mm. It's a hard one. I I know, know. I You're a celebrity to me. You know, you know, <laughs> no, so is well, I could even say Scott. You know, see Scott for me. I mean, Scott, Scott for me, for instance, I, I've come across thousands of guys. I mean, I mean, because you do in your life, you come across all sorts of guys. And but it's very hard to find somebody with the ilk that Aye. Scott's got. And Scott's got the ilk. And you can't teach people that. See, when you've got something that's just in you, you can't teach it. And, 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 and Scott's just got a way of bringing that out. People, he's just got that way. And Scott's he's, he's amazing. Scott's one of the most likable guys you could ever meet. Like, he's, when you when you talk about everything, like somebody who's got a bit of everything, he can be a cheeky bastard, which he is. He can be <laughs> fun, like hilariously funny. But he can also be serious, and he's he's got he's got the right balance of everything. Do you know what I mean? Like, do um, so I? Think, uh, so I'm, I'm putting him to his my celebrity. I'm, I'm just right. going to push the he has, he's got the ilk, and, and, and you've got the ilk. I mean, we're, we're all from the same ilk. We're all Jock Burns Wayne's, really, at the end of the day. Yeah. We're all carrying forward that that type of social justice, that type of caring for people, you know, because that's what's important, just being a good human being. Do you know what I mean? And Scott, Scott's got that in abundance, you know, he cares. He and he gets things done. And he's a good driver, he gets things done. You know what I mean? He's a good driver, he gets things done. Sometimes the same for Scott as as for me and maybe for you guys. The hardest thing in, in life to learn. What would you think it would be? And I'll tell you what it was for me. The hardest thing for me was to learn how to say no. Most of my issues in life was always yes, and you get bogged down by saying yes. So learning to say no in a way that you don't have to explain yourself for things number one. Uh, so that was maybe the hardest lesson I learned. But, I, I would probably kind of agree, like very very similar. So. Um, Something happened to me very, very recently that kind of makes you think about a lot of things and <clears throat> you think 
you, you try and please everybody rather yeah. than just saying, you, no, I don't agree with that. Or So I suppose it's probably the same as yours, saying no, I don't agree with something that you've said or just going along with the flow and just being a yes man and, aye, okay, aye, right, okay. See, but I, t- t- on the other end of it, I don't agree with if somebody's talking utter shit, I'm not going to get involved with somebody's problems uh, if they're, you know what I mean, like somebody's got a very, very strong opinion of something, I'm not going to try and change their mind. Okay, but, you're not going to change it anyway. Aye, so. exactly. So, but I agree with you, like definitely being able to stand up and say, nah, I don't agree with that actually, you know, and, and you're not being confrontational, you're not being aggressive, you're just saying, nah. You see, you see that, see what you're talking about, you actually see that in everybody's relationship with the first start. Because when people first meet up, they're all nice and this is a nice part of you, that's real nice, I'm a good guy. Mm-hmm. Hey, once you get to know me, start farting in public, you do all the things <laughs> that you want, and then you go, you know, you start saying, and then maybe they do some upsets, you know what he said, you know what he called an argument. Aye. You know, and that's where a lot of couples don't access, because they don't, you should speak up, you should go, I don't agree with that. And just, you know, just talk things through all the time, Aye. and don't let things, little things build up. It's all the little things that build up, become a big thing, and then bang. You oh, know. I agree. Well, Kenny, We'll tell Steve I'm quite lucky because my partner, my other half, or the better half, she is a cheeky bastard. <laughs> so anything I'll say, she'll call me out on it. <laughs> I don't even worry about that. Uh, it's all good, same. but it's all good. Same. Paul is no cheeky. We, we sat and we had lunch one day. That's right. And we spoke about how I get kicked out six times for, <laughs> for arguments and I'm still together. But no, well, like, it makes you stronger. It makes you stronger. But anyway. Man, aye. But hey, uh, no, listen, I so Steve, hang on after we stop recording. I want to tell you a wee story. But anyway, it's been an absolute I, I pleasure. Absolutely pleasure. I don't know if it was once given out there at all, to be honest. Oh, no. Oh, amazing. Amazing. Absolutely amazing. buzzing. That was amazing. Loved it. Loved so, it. Okay, no, but, hey, guy, Steve, as I say, very much an open door um, to come always back on. Welcome, mate. Always welcome, uh, And I, I feel we'll speak to you. touched the tip of the iceberg. We have. <laughs> I know, I know, there's so much. I'll let me tell a couple of jokes, maybe you'll bring me back <laughs> later. I think my sister and my sister's a comedian, she's brilliant. Oh, is she? Oh, she's <laughs> glorious. Elaine, ask anybody about Elaine Hodge, honestly, she's what a comedian she is. I've, I've offered to make videos, take all sorts, she won't do it. You can't, you, everybody wants her everywhere, she's amazing. It's just so right. funny. Steve, see anyway. you ep- episode 28. We need to have a lane hodge on then. <laughs> <laughs> right, brilliant, guys. Kenny, right. Steve. Okay, thanks very much, guys. Absolute pleasure. Thanks for listening. Bye bye.